Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a Whitley comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney, the only place that gives two budding young podcasters (laughs) all the comic books they could ever want to read every single week. And tons that they don't want to read. That's very true. Um, We managed to thank our sponsor and surmise what we do every week on the podcast in one hit. It was very impressive. But if you ever want to read any of the books that we talk about on the podcast, and believe me, there's a lot of them, Mm -hmm. um, you can find them all at King's Comics in Sydney, 310 Pitt Street. Um, or you can uh, find them online, kingscomics.com. For even the most obscure book that we talk about on the podcast, you'll be able to find it at King's alongside many other great comics. Yes. Yes. Um, Good people and good um, toys and shit. That's their motto. Absolutely. It's written on the front of the store. It is. My name is Levins. My name is Siobhan. And every week we read all of the comics that came out the week prior to this one and let you know which are the ones that you should be reading too. We kick off every episode by saying thanks to a certain person. Before I talk about that, I want to talk Jesus. about something that we had. That's right, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Uh, happy birthday for, your, for the, next, the next coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Wait, did he get born at Christmas or did he die at Christmas? No, he got born. He got born. I should know that. You should know that. Theoretically, my children are Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean theoretically? Oh, in... we've got them baptized so oh. my grandma doesn't get upset that nice. her great-grandkids are going to hell. Uh, fair enough. You know, how families work. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I want to start this episode by letting everyone know that you can get some bonus serious issues action. Um, if, uh, two hours of us every week isn't enough, uh, you can get an extra half hour by, uh, signing up to our Patreon page where, because last week we recorded an episode all about the last month's worth of graphic novels mm-hmm. that we've, that we've read, um, kind of nice little recommendation, some new stuff, some old stuff. It's a bit of big, a different format to the regular show, which is us rambling about books that we enjoyed and yep. it's only books we enjoyed almost because there's no, there's no like, you know, if you read a graphic novel, I'm not going to be like, you know, 10 pages in, you know what? This is not for me. I'm going to push through it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, no, this is not for me. I'm going to read something else instead. Yeah. So it's yeah, mostly uh, a really cool list of uh, some great graphic novels that we um, have enjoyed uh, in the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and we'll be doing another one of those uh, in next month, which great. is very very soon. Very soon. Uh, so if you want to find that, Patreon.com/slash/SeriousIssuesPodcast, and for as little as two bucks a month, you can get access to all of our bonus episodes. Um, speaking of Patreon, it's time for us to thank the member who uh, the Patreon member who is is responsible for this episode. It's Mm. all about him. It's all about Jai Smith. Jai Smith. This episode, Jai Smith. What rhymes with Jai Smith, Siobhan? I Smith. (laughs) (laughs) 
So thanks to Jai the Eye Smith. Mm, good. What's okay? Yeah, this is super hero name. That's um, good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm not Brother gonna, Jai. You can work. Brother Jai? Oh, I like that. That's good there too. Go. Jai Robot. Yes. I like that movie. <laughs> Jai Robot? Yep. Yeah, because Jai Smith was a great actor in it. He was excellent. Uh, thank you, Jai. If you want to uh, get incredible thanks like that, uh, patreon.com slash series issues podcast. <laughs> we begin every episode of the show, Siobhan, by reviewing all the number one issues that came out last week. And uh, last week, there was a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was also at a music festival. Oh, what um, the hell? What uh, over the weekend. I was in, it was in Canberra. It's called Spilt Milk. Ah. Uh, I DJed, me and my DJ partner, Captain Franco, mm-hmm. uh, DJed on a bus oh. uh, for 11 hours. And oh. it was 31 degrees in the heat. That Which sounds like I think my in actual Fahrenheit worst is nightmare. 400 degrees. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking intense. But we gave ourselves, like, whenever the other one was DJing, we just fucked off. And mm. I chose to be drunk and read my number one comics by the hey, water. That's nice. Yeah, but I don't remember what happened to some of them, which is good because some of them were bad. Yeah. So let's talk about these number ones in a segment that we call First Things First. And we've got to kick off with the most hyped comic that came out this week. Mm. Everyone was talking about it. It, of course, is. I'm trying to find the dumbest one in here. No, I can't, I can't do it. Let's just talk about Doomsday Clock. Like we have to talk about Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock, everybody. The end is here. It's uh, Jeff Johns being allowed to just fuck up Adam Moore's most beloved... <laughs> Did you just call him Adam Moore? Adam Moore. Adam Moore. Just <laughs> really upset him um, more than he's already been upset. Yeah, so the, uh, Doomsday Clock is like somewhat of a sequel to The Watchmen, um, but it involves the Watchmen universe bleeding into the DC universe. Um, and the creative team, all of which... Making each universe worse in the process. Yeah. Uh, creative team, all of which of whom have had their names uh, shaved into Alan Moore's back hair um, <laughs> as he named chickens after them and then uh, sacrificed them and drank their blood. I enjoyed so much. Um, I think it was, was it Albert who posted something in the Serious Issues Facebook group about what um, Alan Moore's morning routine is, where he's like, gets up, smokes a joint, has a bath with a lush bath bomb. <laughs> I was like, man. Is it actually his, his morning routine? I don't know. It's That's not, what he says as it is. dark as I thought it was going to be. It's delightful. Um, so I can't even find the goddamn creative team on this, but well, I know it. Well, it's Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. That's right. But I'm sure there's colorists and I'm stuff sure involved. A colorist. They can't be doing that like with themselves. Gary Frank couldn't be. There are, there are people to hire. Take anyway. a billion years. Brad uh, Anderson on colors, Rob Lee on letters. Where the fuck did you find it's that? On the, oh, it's the on the back cover. cover which is yeah, right, very sure. unusual. Um, so, uh, oh, there's a lenticular cover too, if you, uh, love just throwing money away. And I do. Um, so, uh, yeah, Doomsday Clock is, uh, we, 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 we've been building up to this ever since Rebirth number one came out, uh, midway through last year, mm-hmm. um, where it was revealed that Dr. Manhattan had been meddling with, uh, with He'd DC. made the DC universe dark. And, uh, he's been fucking with time as we learned this week. Um, but... I was expecting this whole Doomsday Clock event, which is like, you know, we're finally going to learn. We're finally going to see DC versus um, The Watchmen. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought it was going to be just like them. I thought it was going to be set like entirely in the DC universe. Mm. But instead, the bulk of this book is uh, kind of following almost, not quite immediately, but like, you know, a few years after the aftermath of the final issue of The Watchmen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was most excited about this book to see Gary Frank's art. Yeah, what was, a what a delight! What I, love a, Gary I was Frank. disappointed to see the first third of the book, uh, just his all of his great work, just covered in as many uh, word balloons as possible. Yeah, um, but uh, I thought, yeah, I thought this was actually for you know how what a big deal this was, and how how like it didn't need to be as overwritten as those that, that first third was. Mm. 
it took me a while to get to kind of get through those pages to be honest as he just kind of like we see uh you know jeff john's bringing us up to the speed of what's happened in the watchman universe since that final issue by like just page after page after page of we have a narration from the new Rorschach mixed in with news reports related to every single character of the Watchmen. Um, yep. And that was a that was a task to get through. I, I think, think that was quite in the spirit of Watchmen. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. Watchmen, Watchmen is fairly wordy as a book. Um, but for me, the highlight of this was when Rorschach bre- breaks two prisoners out of jail. Mm-hmm. Um, these are ca- new characters that we haven't seen in the Watchmen before. Um, and their names are, is it? Um, Mime and Marionette. Marionette. Is that it? And uh, they are based off of Punch and Julie. Yeah. Who we saw um, in uh, Tom King's Batman run earlier in the year. And I think I've read, read like some old Batman stories with them in it. Mm-hmm. But the, the, those characters are, are Charleston char- comic characters as well. Just like right. all the comic, ca- all the characters the Watchmen were based off of. So that was a, I thought that was a cool move on Jeff Johns' behalf to kind of, you know, introduce new characters in the spirit of the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Overall, I thought this was kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I th- like, I think that they did a fine job. But like, and this isn't meant as like a negative criticism. But Jeff Johns isn't Alan Moore. He's a very, very different kind of comic book writer. Oh, and on and some days, never... I like him as much as Alan Moore, depending Absolutely. on the mood that I'm in. And I, but I'm never in the mood for him trying to do Alan Moore. Yeah, it comes across as it just doesn't have like. Like, what? Well, what is the point of this? It doesn't have the spirit of Alan Moore's work. And, like, Watchmen is so fundamentally tied up in who its creator is that I just don't think there's much point or value to this as yeah. a project. I think by all means, like, you know, people probably, you know, hate me for saying this, by all means, use the characters again. Like, yeah. they're so desperate to just bring them back in and yeah. have a book with the characters in it. But I, this this felt so sequely to me. And uh, that sent alarm bells off. Um, I I loved the sequence of of breaking mime out of jail where he yeah know, that was good fun get, get, uh, opens the empty locker but it's actually full of his like imaginary yeah uh, instruments of death and his um, like creepy creepy smile I yeah liked that a lot um I'm not sure about the the you know who this new Rorschach character is or um you know Ozymandias is he good or bad this time I can't really say that I'm intrigued enough to like find like. I'm going to read it anyway. Yeah. But I wasn't like, I didn't finish this issue going like, oh man, I can't wait to find out where that part of the story is going. Yeah, totally. But it's definitely more compelling than when we finally get to the DC universe and we see Superman just have a, a, a nightmare about his his parents dying in a car crash, which yeah. is apparently canonically how they died now yeah. since New 52. I actually, I, because I watched I Justice League, I, I forgot that um, because uh, Mark Kent plays such a big role, mm. well, somewhat of a big role in that. Um, I forgot that she was dead too. Mm. I'm used to John Kent being dead, but both. I don't like any of them being dead. Um, look, them... if this is if this this entire event is just a weird ploy to bring back Ma and Pa Kent, <laughs> more more than okay with it. I'm on board. Bring back the. I, I want John Kent. They to never have got to see their grandson. I know. Let's do it. Oh, that made me sad. Um, but the whole point of that sequence is to show that Superman has never had a nightmare before. Mm. Um, we're going to be talking about some other DC books later in the episode. Episode one of which dealt with. Dr. Manhattan's influence on the DC universe and was so much more fun than this book. I don't know. I, I reckon. I don't know if I read that. I think we both said we were going to drop it, but I didn't because uh, I have a much. Uh, action comics is what I I'm talking about. I think I did because I'm, I'm a woman of oh, my wait, wait till I review that. That, um, that was a lot more fun, you know, kind of dealing with the, the a really powerful being like Dr. Manhattan, um, you know, kind of fucking around yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the universe. That's fun. The key thing, the key takeaway from this is that 
I want Gary Frank to be drawing a Superman book again. Well, he draws it. looks like Christopher Reeves. I know. It's so good. But without being photo-referential. But also, um, like, super buff. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> super buff and handsome. I loved it. Um, I, uh, I I loved all of his. Like, Gary Frank is, is incredible on this book. Yeah. I just I think this issue, while not bad, like, suffered from yeah. being boring where I think, or, or suffered from being just fine, where I don't think this book can be just fine. Totally. you got to bring as everything you got. But also, maybe we're going to get to that point. It is 12 issues long, which just seems insane. Yeah. But that's that's it. We're not, I'm not complaining about Mr. Miracle, but I guess this is has a, an event yeah. peppering. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Maybe I, maybe this would be more appealing as a book if it didn't have ramifications for the wider DC universe. Yeah, If it was just true. a like insular little miniseries, that yeah. could be quite fun. Um, I thought that a lot of the like social commentary stuff was a little bit on the nose. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's to be expected, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, part of that comes with us reading The Watchmen and, uh, you know, 10 years or 20, uh, 15 years after it yeah. came out and being so far removed from the political issues of the 80s. That yeah, totally. It just seems like, you know, like, you know, part of part, it, it feels like part of the world more so than them commenting on the regular goings on. Yeah. If this isn't a zero issue, even like maybe all it is is just a, like a, a dumb branding thing. Like I, I hate zero issues, but this felt like a prelude. Totally. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Regardless of uh, any of our criticisms, obviously we're going to be reading uh, Doomsday Clock as it continues. Yes. We have to be pretty fucking bad for us to not. Yes. Um, it is a surprisingly big deal. Siobhan, I have to call my wife for a very very cool reason. Cool. She just got offered a job. Oh, that's so cool. Took a pause. <laughs> She got the job, everybody. Woo! Congratulations to Bianca, who never listens to the podcast. Hey. <laughs> For good reason. Too busy getting jobs. I'll say. Um, to celebrate, I said we should crack open the $90 bowl of wine that I have in the fridge. And yeah. instead of going, oh, yay, she said, what the fuck? Why did you buy a $90 <laughs> bowl of wine? I knew. I knew. You were planning for celebrations. And then um, and then I tried to dial it back. I'm like, oh, you can put one of the other bottles of wine in and we could have that tonight. And then she was like, no, when, when? She, she actually said, um, no, she's like, no, when else are we going to be able to celebrate um, you uh, uh, with, a, with a $90 bottle mm. of wine? She's like, it's not like you're ever going to be offered a job. <laughs> uh, you have like six jobs. Yeah, I know, but don't don't marry freelancers is yeah. the, uh, because they're stupid with money. <laughs> Clearly, and they never get offered jobs. Um, anyway, let's continue with the reviews um, and uh, move on to more DC books that came out this week. N- number one issues. Uh, we got the first issue of uh, a cult favorite DC mm-hmm. character and a Kirby creation too. Mm-hmm. Um, Etrigan, the demon, uh, returns in The Demon, Hell is Earth, uh, which was written by um, Australian writer Andrew Constant, who I should say for review purposes is the brother of a very good friend of mine mm. and oftentimes uh, uh, DJ partner. But I'm I'm happy to give him Who's shit. Who's his brother? Ryan Ryan Court no, from Mor- Moriarty from Rochambeau. Cool. <laughs> Rochambeau was my DJ collective. There I know what that is. Elston it, was the other one. It was you and Jay Bell and Jimmy right? Singh? No, no. no Why do I know that? Jimmy anyway. Singh who, who ran Good God. Uh-huh. Sydney. Every, everyone listening now, they know. They, you guys know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, now they know anyway. Anyway, he's also Nicholas Scott's husband. That's right. Oh, so he's connected. He sure is. Nicholas Scott, Moriarty from Rochambeau. <laughs> the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, and he's got, uh, this is his first book for DC. Um, so, yeah. And uh, this is illustrated by Brad Walker with inks by Andrew Hennessy and colors by Chris Sotomayor. Yeah. And um, I'm not the biggest fan of Brad Walker um, after his stuff on, was it, wait, 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 was he the Teen Titans guy or was he the, no, that's Brad, Brad Booth. 
Brett Booth. Brett Booth. All right. Yeah. Well, far, we're different, far away. Different is, vibe. Is Brad Walker the guy who did um, uh, Identity Crisis? Or was that written by somebody Walker? No, that's Rags Morales written by Brad Meltzer. Brad. I don't know what, what you're Brad's, thinking of. Who knows? Who Brad, I don't know who Brad Walker is. Anyway, oh, Brad, I liked I, him. I'm a fan of you. I like. I liked your art a lot on this. Yeah. Um, and uh, this tells a diff- shows a different uh, Etri gun that we see. It felt more like a Hulk book to me. Yeah, where absolutely. Where you have uh, the two very separate personalities of Etri gun the Demon and Jason Blood. Um, and is that sort of the monster within me conflict. Yep, and they can communicate with each other while they're not being each other, mm-hmm. um, which I've not seen in, in a book before. But I guess mm-hmm. I've, I've really I've read like a few Garth Ennis yeah, um, Etrigan comics, but like comics. normally he just kind of shows up and you're like, oh yeah, Etrigan, yeah. and then by the end of it you're like, stop fucking rhyming. <laughs> but that said, I was I was I was livid when this book began because Etrigan, while communicating with Jason Blood, was not rhyming. Yeah, and that's his thing. You know, he 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 he, he rhymes. And yeah, all the time. It's tedious, but I love it. <laughs> I think it's like Bizarro. Um, and I you're was like, like, "This is great." And then after three pages, you're like, "I'm done with this." I was ready to call up Moriarty from Rochambeau, oh, demand yeah. his brother's number, so I could be like, "What the fuck? You forgot the one good thing about this character." Um, but I shouldn't. I'm glad I didn't grab that phone because um, when when Etrigan takes over the body of Jason Blood mm-hmm. and it, it becomes like, it is a show that he puts on when he's the demon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when he starts rhyming. And I, I liked that. I, I, I liked like, first of all, exploring Jason Blood as a character, Absolutely. which you very rarely see in comics. Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought the, 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 the characters were, were dealt with quite well in this. Yep. I have no fucking idea what's going on in the plot, but I assume that will kind of make more sense in issue two. Yeah, there's like a big hell bomb and now hell's on earth and Madame Xanadu is coming to do something oh, about so it. Oh, so it's a hell bomb. It's not just a regular bomb. I was no, just I like, oh, cool, someone bomb. nuked Jason Blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has like a spooky face in it. That's right. definitely a hell bomb. And it makes everyone do evil things. Madame Xanadu turned a bunch of dudes into cows. I liked a lot about this book. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was proper spooky in parts too. Yeah, absolutely. So really we're... genuinely like scary interesting like an interesting development of the character like i like that he didn't just go like cool this is what etrigan is this is how he's always been this is what we're gonna keep doing mm. he sort of updated him a little bit and was like yeah things change these guys have been in the same body for hundreds of years now like they change stuff yeah. develops and so where are kind of like i guess in the past uh, jason blood has been haunted by etrigan mm. now that etrigan has full Possession of the body, Jason Blood haunts him. Mm. Which is that's fun. There's yeah. fun concepts going on in here. Is and I a, think the colours were really exceptional and Brad Walker did a really, really great job. I really liked how Jason Blood looked specifically. Because he's a bit, got that sexy little white bit in his hair. Yep, absolutely. I love a white bit. That's what I like. Um, six issues, miniseries. I'll be reading this. This is cool. Absolutely agreed. Uh, Imaginary Fiends. Bit of a bit of a uh, cool little pun. Oh, I didn't uh, read a Vertigo this. book came out this week, um, written by Tim Seeley, ah. um, with art by uh, Stephen Molnar and colors by Quinton Winter. Now, I was a bit like apprehensive about reading this book because uh, we read an abominable number one that Tim Seeley wrote last week, mm-hmm. the name of which escapes me. Yeah, um, it was that but bad? He, he writes a lot of comics, so, so uh, let, let, maybe that one was just like one in the bank from long, long ago. Mm. And uh, they just, just finally decided to put it out now or something. Uh, this one I felt completely differently about. Um, Imaginary Mary Fiends is about uh, like a special secret agents um, who contact and who are able to contact their imaginary friends uh. who in- inspire people to go crazy and kill people. Oh, So it's quite dark in this. In this one, we, we see um, a boy who 
um, kind of like sneaks away from the house he's meant to be babysitting the kids in um, to go smoke weed with some older teens. Cool. And then he hears someone stumbling from out of the woods and it's the little girl um, that he's been able oh, to look no. after and, and she's been killed. She's been stabbed uh, 17 times with a fillet knife. And the only thing she murmurs is Polly, Polly Peach Pit. And Polly Peach Pit is an imaginary friend that um, basically like taunts little kids into doing things. Um, and uh, we see, we catch up with the, the, the girl who I guess murdered the, the little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, she was also a little girl. And now she's, um, you know, she's in a juvenile detention um, facility mm-hmm. um, and she is contacted by a, a secret agent, basically recruited oh. to help with these special imaginary friend-related crimes. This is such a bizarre concept. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, cool. It was really, really cool. And I think, you know, like Tim Seeley is at his best, his strongest when he's doing horror mm-hmm. concepts, but ho- like a uh, horror that feels a bit popcorn-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I thought this is the start of something quite promising. Cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. And um, I, I enjoyed the art by, um, yeah, Stephen Molnar and Great Colours by Quentin Winter. Um, that, that, that striking image of the girl dead in uh, yeah, the, the baby's eyes. Yeah, that's horrifying. That's very upsetting. Yeah. Really, really great. Great, great first issue. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I guess it, it helps to kind of give someone a second chance a week after <laughs> they, they've wronged you. <laughs> um, but that wasn't, my, lessons. that wasn't my favorite number one, Siobhan, this week. Um, and I, I want to talk about my favorite one. And I hope you like this one as well, because uh, I read a lot of number ones that I did not like. And I don't, yeah. don't want to just shit all over the place. So let's talk about some ones that I liked. And uh, the one I liked the most came out through Titan Comics. It's a reprint of a, uh, or I guess, yeah, like a, a, a translation mm-hmm. of, a, of a, a Parisian comic. French, good. Even <laughs> um, you know, this week I found out that I be, I pronounce Sieg wrong. I did know that. <laughs> Why didn't you ever tell me? <laughs> I don't know. You seemed really like committed to it. I don't want to be like the asshole being like, actually, it's Segway. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like often fall victim <laughs> to saying words that I've only ever read. Yeah, we all and do it. We I've all heard have the those word words. Segway. Yeah, I. I've written that... <laughs> a Segway. <laughs> I thought that um, awry. I thought that there was awry and then also Ori, Ori for some reason for years until my friend was like, you're a dick. <laughs> well, why weren't you that friend? Because <laughs> I'm never that Because I think I especially say it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, all And the our time. thousands of listeners have never told me. Someone it genuinely... A, it took a, a, like, a, a quippy uh, 20-something English teacher who oh, yeah? listens to Hey Fam to laugh at me. That's really to, funny. For me to be aware of my fuck up. Someone told me that they stopped listening to our podcast because you said that. What? I only found that out last week. That's so funny. Who? Uh, like a friend of a friend's. I don't care. Who lives in the UK. <laughs> Fuck you, Cal. That's so funny. Yeah, oh, is that the guy that's written the really weird uh, review of us on, oh, yeah. uh, on British iTunes? Yes. Same guy. Thanks, Cal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to say segue now. <laughs> Sieg is a cool word, though. Are you yeah. sure it's not a word somewhere? Um, <laughs> no, but... Anyway, there's a Could lot of be. words that I've I've only ever read and never heard someone say. Um, yeah, yeah, look, we've all been there. Um, anyway, catch me uh, riding my Sieg <laughs> through Sydney this weekend. <laughs> Dr. Raider! Um, Written doc- by Noel Simsolo with art by Bezian. That's right. Um, and this is uh, set in the 1920s uh, in Paris, uh, in which uh, a bunch of scientists are being horrifically murdered mm-hmm. by someone who is a master of disguise. Um, and so it is up to a gentleman, a self, self-proclaimed gentleman detective. So good. Um, to, and he refuses to work with the police. Yep. What's his name? Like 
Ferdinand Strauss. Yes. Um, it's up to him to uh, to solve these murders. So good. Like, um, just that concept alone. Like, it's very, I guess, quite Poirot. Yes, definitely. Um, and, yeah, good timing, um, given that the Justice League movie just came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but Dr. Radar is, is the name of this uh, character who is, who is murdering these scientists uh, to find out scientific facts for himself. And these are all scientists who are trying to reach outer space. They're trying to fly to the moon. Which a lot of people in 1920s society thought was insane. That was crazy. Um, but uh, now we know that there were idiots who didn't even know how to pronounce Idiots C. in the 1920s. Um, so but uh, I thought this, like, from from a storytelling point of view, like, I'd actually, I, I tried reading it while I was drunk. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> Bad I idea. was like, this sucks. And then I was like, wait a minute. Midway through it, I'm like, I'm the one who sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I need to read this again sober. So I read it the next morning with a hangover. Nice. And uh, I, uh, you I hangover. fucking loved it. I really did, actually. I was able to drive from Canberra to Sydney. Well, I was able to sit in the passenger seat while someone drove me. That's nice. <laughs> Um, I'm just not a good person today. <laughs> uh, Dr. Radar um, came out through Titan Comics through their Statics Press mm-hmm. imprint. Um, and uh, the artwork, I think, uh, is definitely not for everyone. It's very, very scratchy and mm-hmm. stylized. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it suits the story really well. It's very frantic um, in the action scenes. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely suits the kind of like yeah, the detective format of, Absolutely. The, of the story. There was a little bit of like, I, there were a couple of faces that I'd was confused by like there's a lot of visual similarity between the characters they just wear different hats right. they just wear different hats but that's <laughs> fine as long as you remember whose hat is whose you're fine and the color palette is so cool and interesting and different and everything's all moody shadows and um you know one room is all orange and then the next page is all green and it's just really yeah really gorgeous whenever they're outside at night it's just blue with flashes of yellow from lighting yeah, it's great. A really, really cool book. Um, took me by surprise too. Absolutely. And you never know, really know with the, where these Titan reprints of uh, European comics uh, will end up because this <laughs> week one of the books that we quite like really went cra- a bit crazy. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> oh, the yeah. beautiful death. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Weird one. So you'll hear that at the very end of the episode. A little bit of sizzle. Um, so I mentioned that I did not like some of uh, the number ones that came out this week. Okay. Um, and uh, you're holding one of them right now. Yeah. Uh, Archie this week put out a new number one. Betty and Veronica Vixens, um, written by Jamie Lee Ritante. Ritante? Ritante. Art by Eva Cabrera, colors by Elena Unger. Letters, I like the colors. Letters by Rachel Deering. <laughs> colors are great. I quite like the art. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's, it, like, you know what? It reads as, this. I don't mean this to sound as offensive as it does, but it just reads like someone who hasn't maybe drawn that many comics before. Like mm. maybe they're more used to doing like, Pinups Tumblr. on Tumblr. <laughs> um, and so there's a couple of like... Just faces. Everything else I liked a lot. I just didn't like her faces. And some of the like the, the sort of motion and stuff isn't great. Like, I mean, there are great examples of people riding motorcycles in interesting ways in comics. Mm. Like Ghost Rider. The, the Treadmoor Ghost Rider stuff. The, the, that the, made car chases the, the really The Ghost Rider that, that showed up in a Marvel book this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. That was cool as hell. But my main question is, like, who is this for? Who is this aimed at? Because it's not all ages. I don't see it appealing to teenagers. Well, I don't see it appealing to adults. So the plot is Betty and Veronica are a little bit culturally appropriating Mexican culture. <laughs> <laughs> and and also appropriating biker culture. Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know. Um, but everyone, And Archie is in a gang. Archie and Reggie are like, let's make a gang. And they pretend that they're in a gang. And then they accidentally really make, 
like really piss off a real biker gang. The gang gang already want to kill them. Yeah, for for like being in on their turf. I don't know. Yeah, Um, and so it's up to Betty and Veronica to ditch those dumb men and start their pussies and start their own biker gang. (laughs) Uh, Like, yeah, that's the concept of this book. Yeah, and it's kind like it's. It's really trash. Betty gives everyone uh, brass knuckles earlier. Yeah. In the book <laughs> what the hell? To womp on some dudes. I'm, I'm all for dudes getting womped. It's just this, this. I'm all for cool female biker gangs, but this Wompers. was terrible. Yeah, this is very, very strange. Um, and I'm going to rave about another Archie comic I read this week. Yeah. Which is the polar opposite of this. I mean, like, Archie do a lot of. Uh, like, weird concept books now. Like, what if Jughead was a werewolf? What yeah. if there were, you know. Zombies or whatever. And sometimes they really, really work and really land. Sometimes it's like, that was just a huge miss. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's like, maybe if the creative team was slightly different, maybe if no, I don't, the characterization I think the of these are really That's bad. Like the, I, I think motorbike anything is stupid. Yeah. And this version of Betty, who is simultaneously like the most pris version of Betty ever, mm. like really irritating and dressed like, Sandy before she has her sexy person makeover in Greece, um, but then is also like, but I love motorcycles and I'm I, riding a motorcycle just makes me feel so free and alive. Well, I mean, yeah, and Betty loves cars. Yeah, yeah, that's canonical. Yeah, but like, yeah, bikes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but like this version, <laughs> this version of Betty doesn't seem like she would be into cars. Yeah, totally. if that makes sense. Totally, she's like as prissy as like the most kind of. Uh, Blank slate uh, anime character, like female character. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, bizarre, very weird comic. Yeah. Uh, who is it for? We'll never know. If it's for you, let me know. Um, image this week uh, continued their "What the fuck are you doing?" Image. <laughs> I liked this. <laughs> Did you? Okay, you talk about it. Okay, Void Trip, written by Ryan O'Sullivan and Plaid Plaid Klaus. That's the, my favorite part of the comic. That's was a that great He name. was the artist. And look, this is very like. Drugs are crazy, man. Like, that's kind of the vibe of this whole book. The first but- word balloon is, the universe is <laughs> real big, man. <laughs> but it's two stoners on some kind of just mystical trip across the universe, grifting people and getting into scrapes while eating these crazy hallucinogenic fruits Right through the whole thing. If that doesn't appeal to you... And that's never going to appeal to you. But I quite enjoyed this. I really like the art. I like all of the designs of the different aliens. I think it was really inventive. I, I thought it was like, they just didn't really pick like a theme. Like every every character looks so drastically different. Like Yeah, but it, don't you think like, it seemed to me that it's like they're on some kind of highway through the universe. So it's all these different characters. Like they're humans. Sure. The lead characters are humans and everyone's like, oh, they look so weird. These weird monkey human things. But then there's like there's, it's not like there like there's just like suddenly like the guy who is at the bar is like a guy with an octopus head and hey, four he's like arms. like a Cthulhu. Cthulhu guy. But then there's also like a a, a robot like Snake Eyes from GI Joe. Yep. Coming after them, um, and there's a then there's a bear trucker. But there's no one other characters that look like those weird characters really. Oh, actually no. There's, yes, there are. Don't worry. Forget about me. But I also liked. This is such a rare thing because the, the two characters there's a guy and a girl. As yet to be discovered whether they're, like, in any kind of romantic relationship. But I like that the key sort of misfit stoner character is the girl. 
Like, she's the one fucking it up. She's the one crashing the car. She's the one who's like, no, don't turn on the artificial intelligence so the that guy, we can have this crazy yeah, trip. The guy the guy she's with is a bit of a burnout who wants to not be one. Yes. Yeah. And I sort of like that. Their relationship that was one of the few things I liked about this book. Yes. It's rare to get that kind of um, female character. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a lot about this. Yeah, I like the art. Yeah, the art's nice. Yeah, right, you're, you're right. This is way less bad than the image number ones that came out last week. <laughs> yeah, way but like less if you bad. know, I was I was in a, like a, a a pretty fucked up state of mind when I read this. You would think that would make it more appealing to me, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we were the wrong kind of fucked up. Um, we got another uh, James Bond one shot uh, through Dynamite's little James Bond adventures that they do. Uh, it's a, a one shot written by Ibrahim Mustafa with art by Jordan Boyd and Simon Balland. This is called Solstice. And um, this uh, basically dealt with um, uh, James Bond being tasked with uh, saving M's da- daughter mm-hmm. from dating a evil Russian man. What more do you want? I really Merry Christmas, this. everyone. I loved this. Yeah, this was, this was like a really, really simple adventure, like super easy to grasp. And it, I think, you know, it, it worked as a one-shot because they just made the mission so simple. It wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be bogged down with like, you know, this is a secret agent and this is like a weird, you know, thing that you have to infiltrate and all this crazy backstory. It was James Bond being sent on a very personal mission mm-hmm. to do something for someone that he not only works for, but also respects enough to make sure it's done discreetly. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I thought this was really, really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. And like the fight sequences, I think, were really, really solid. Um, and it was like a very sort of humanizing story for both Bond and M. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I will comment, though, that like we, you know, th- those first 12 Warren Ellis James Bond issues were like so good in mm. my eyes. Um, and since then, we've gotten like runs by Andrew Diggle, Andy Diggle, and James Robinson, and a few other writers that I haven't. Loved as much, yeah. but we've been get, we've got these great one shots. We've got that awesome one by Kieran Gillen. Mm-hmm. We got the Money Penny one shot by Jody Hauser, and then we got this one by Ibrahim Mustafa. Can we please get one of those um, writers doing an ongoing two now? Yeah, totally. Although if like they just want to keep putting out one shots, I'm true. totally down with that. But like, what about a bunch of one shots by that creative team? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have a good grasp of, of this world. It, fe- it feels like a post Warren Ellis written James Bond, yeah, but without trying to reference or be Warren Ellis. Absolutely. Whereas the others felt tonally very different and not as good yeah and yeah. like a way less charming version of bond yeah very true like he's just pretty much archer in this yeah. he even calls himself sterling at one point oh yeah which is archer's real name <gasps> in the cartoon series archer i haven't watched that it's pretty funny yeah i mean it's way, too many, way too many series but uh I've, I've, I've watched some of them anyway save it for another podcast <laughs> Maxwell's Demons. Someone asked me if I read this yesterday and I mm-hmm. said no. So it clearly made a massive impression on me. This is a vault comic uh, that is written by Denise Camp with art by Vittorio Astone and uh, colours by Aditya Bidika. Um, and uh, this was is a story about a boy with an abusive father um, and he escapes his father by going into a world kind of similar to the one that we visited in Ether, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a world where he becomes a superhero and fights weird monsters and saves people and stuff like that. But it's all kind of like there's a sort of hardcore um, like philosophical edge to this. Like all of his toys that he is playing with are named after famous philosophers and scientists and mathematicians. Bloody everyday Joe over here had no idea that that was what <laughs> I was. had to get my philosopher boyfriend to explain that to me. <laughs> that's what he officially yes, is now. That's so good. Um, Fuck you, DJ Korea. <laughs> 
<laughs> not just a dancer. You know, I worked out the other day that you and I wouldn't be friends were it not for a strip club. Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. Is that where you met Nate? Um, no, Nate and I became better friends by both DJing and being good friends with the strip club DJ. Yeah. DJ Leon Smith bringing people together. That's so funny. Anyway. <laughs> I love Uncle Lenny. Um, yeah, and this is all to do with like, uh, like personal demons and consciousness. Like, it's sort of hard to know how much of this is supposed to be real. Yeah, I find that, I it's find kind that of like really a personal frustrating. journey for this kid to uh, conquer his own demons, which takes the form of this big leviathan. And then we have this extended sequence of the dad, like in like a monologue to nobody, yeah. saying that he only is mean to his son because he can't be seen as being nice and explaining his motivation. And I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> but see, I, I sort of like that because what I feel like they're setting up for this is because this kid that we've been introduced to is really sympathetic at the beginning and he has to make dinner for his dad and his dad doesn't, you know, his dad's just drinking all the time and isn't kind to him and he's this ultra, ultra bright kid. And I feel like they're setting him up to become like a supervillain because he's ultra bright, but he doesn't have a good home and a good home life. And... So I feel like that's kind of setting him up. And I felt for the dad in that sort of sequence because at the beginning we're just seeing it through the kid's perspective. From the dad's perspective, he's this like single dad who's lost his wife and is like super depressed and doesn't know how to connect with his kid who's so much smarter than him. I I did enjoy that. But, yeah. The kid's so smart, why didn't he just make a meal-making machine for his dad? That's a good point. So he cook you all the fucking time. idiot, Max. Dumb kid. Anyway, will you be continuing with this? Into you. I will. I think I will keep reading this. I I thought it was cool. Let and the next issue is. looks like real different because that was almost like a one shot standalone yeah. issue. And then the next issue looks totally bonkers. Over at Dark Horse, we got a um, a Tomb Raider series, oh, and as I we all know, Siobhan this. doesn't read comic books um, that are based on video games, and that's a really really good life plan. Yeah. Um, I have very few life policies, but this is one I'm sticking by. Uh, the reason I read this is because it was written by Jackson Lanzig and uh, Colin Kelly, um, who uh, write a lot of great stuff for Vault, actually. They, oh, they right, wrote, okay. uh, that that Z- Zidaja um, comic that I talked about. And they also yep. wrote, wrote the Joyride comic for um, yep. for Boom. Um, and uh, I was like, thought it was like, okay, cool. I'll give it a shot. Like a Tomb Raider is a cool character. Um, I <laughs> just thought this sucked. <laughs> It, re- it felt like them being forced to rewrite a cutscene from a video right. game, but I, re- I bet you the cutscene was more appealing. Um, and uh, the art was very, very simplistic by Ashley A. Woods. I think it could have been good were it given a better color, mm. like if this had like a more watercolor feel to it instead of like very, like it felt, the coloring felt very digital. Yeah, totally. And, you know, there were parts of beauty in it, but then like yeah, like the simplicity of it was just kind of distracting in parts. Mm. You know, this is a character that, that has been given a second chance at a movie franchise that that is also, you know, re- regularly appearing in quite well-selling games. Mm. If you can't base a comic at Dark Horse, like a good publish, if you can't do a yeah. good comic based on this character, like, I don't understand, like, why not put top-tier talent on this to make sure it's... They've done so many Tomb Raider they? comics. Okay. Like, I think that this is just... I didn't assume it was the first one ever, but yeah. Tomb Raider Survivor's Crusade. Unfortunately, I will not be continuing with this series. Fair enough. Uh, I've got two more to go. Same. Uh, Long Lost is a, uh, a book that came out through Scout Comics um, by uh, 
Um, uh, Matthew Ehrman wrote this with art by Lisa Stirl. I'm going to start by saying I fucking loved Lisa Stirl's art so a lot. So cute. So pretty. I liked it a lot. And black and white mostly. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that. And this is a horror comic about uh, a girl trying to expel creatures both from her mind and from her own world. I mean, I think like this is, it's so much set up at the moment yeah. um, that we haven't really even seen the monster clearly. Only a couple of really sort of horrifying, gross moments. Yeah, I think this is actually like in, similar to Etrigan in that it was just a, mostly an issue of setup and the vague parts of plot. This one's a lot more vague than Etrigan. Mm. But like, I don't know what the story is going to be. Yeah, but I, th- I quite enjoy the characters and especially the art and tone of the book. Yeah, there's an element of like quite Japanese feeling body horror or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, there's some disgusting looking things. Yeah, there's some really horrifying moments in this, and sort of trend like juxtaposed against um, what's her name, Lisa Stoll's really z- sort of pretty like quite Faith Aaron Hicksy or, style uh, art. Marguerite Sauvage. Yep. We- I'm- Sorry to the French listener who just stopped listening, but thank you for leaving the iTunes review. That's cryptic and weird. Um, but I, yeah, I think it was. I think this worked really well. And like, you know, we're just sort of following this one girl and what looks to be probably her sister, um, and getting quite intimate looks at their lives. And but yeah, I just and really enjoyed demons, this. The demons that surround them. Yeah, spooky. Like yeah, this it. is really really cool. Scout Comics. I've never heard of you, but I, I like you. I like, like what your pa- you're doing. Like your paper stock as well. Yeah. And um, like brilliant. Good quality Brilliant book. use of color. Um, everything to my art, Lisa Stirl. Great cover too. Yeah. yeah. Check this one out if you, uh, if you are able to. I'm sure there's a few copies over at King's. Absolutely. And if Long you like lost. spooky horror comics, I highly yeah, recommend this. Yeah, totally. Uh, spooky horror comics that are also beautiful to look at. Mm. Uh, final issue this week came from another um, odd publisher that uh, I quite enjoy. Um, yeah. They're called Alterna Comics and their thing is they produce... Um, comics as cheaply as possible mm-hmm. on like uh, newspaper um, paper yep. like, um, and uh, it, it, it looks it, lo- it looks like a thing of the past like it's very like you know kind of dated uh, printing but yeah. they, they, they really really play up to it it feels mm-hmm. like the advertising in it and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. their, their covers the you know upcoming other things like it really really feels like something that would have existed in the 90s it doesn't really exist anymore yeah um, all their comics are a dollar a dollar fifty which is really cool. And this week we got a new one called Doppelganger by Jordan Hart and Emmanuel Zerk's Havier. And uh, this is probably my favorite comic that I've read from this imprint so far. Yeah, this was cool. I liked this. So, Another spooky horror comic. Yeah, that's right. Um, in which it's So late for Halloween, guys. <laughs> but Christmas is the spookiest holiday of all. <laughs> um, uh, a man on, the way, on his way to work, um, a car crashes into him and the driver of the other car dies. Um, and after like, you know, working a day in his shitty job in which, you know, he's been told to, to go home. He just saw someone die, mm-hmm. except he has like a jerk that works for him, like his manager or something like that. That's like wanting to, wanting to get rid of him. Yep. Um, but then uh, when he gets home, there's already, like, he, 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 get, he gets visited by himself. Yes. His um, exact doppelganger. And, uh, oh, that's right. It's called doppelganger. Mm. Um, and when, when, uh, when he, this is quite confusing to, to tell, but when he, when the guy died in the car crash yeah. um, at the start of the issue, the, 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 the spirit that inhibited that body yeah. um, basically like finds people to become the doppelganger of. Mm-hmm. And then they have 36 hours, the, like the person that they've, that they've copied, they become the exact replica of them. And yeah, that person, all of his memories, et cetera. Yeah, that person has 36 hours to live. Yeah. 
Um, and so, so now this guy is like, oh shit, I. And if anyone sees the two of them together, they dissolve. They do, yeah, like, it's like a, like a cloud of smoke, um, which is great and weird. Yeah. Um, and after trying to take down the doppelganger, um, the doppelganger knocks this guy out and puts a big wad of cash in his back pocket and is like, you know, you've got a limited time on this earth left, better live it up. Yeah. It's cool. I like this as a concept. It's like... Really creepy and weird and cool. Yeah. And such a like, it's going to be so uh, tightly paced because this is just a four issue miniseries, which Mm -hmm. is cool. And this guy has 36 hours in which to like get his life back. That's great. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, cool book. uh, Doppelganger. Go check it out. Alternate comics. Doing some great stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, looks look that's the first things first. I thought I, I thought I disliked a lot more than I actually ended. Yeah, up. that was a pretty good week. Yeah, it was a pretty good week for once. Yeah, good on good on your ones. Mm. Uh, now we play a great game called uh, Roll the Dice for Marvel, Image, or DC, in which we work out whether we're going to review Marvel, Image, or DC next. If it, we roll a one to two, it's Image. Three to four, it's Marvel. Five to six, it is DC. And I rolled a two first, so Image first. Then I rolled a four, so that was did I say Marvel or DC? Oh, I actually don't remember. Marvel. Marvel. Great. <laughs> DC <laughs> last. Um, and then after that, we review other publishers as well. But uh, this week, um, I was extremely excited to see a new I- issue of Snot Girl, written by Brian Lee O'Malley with art by Leslie Hung, uh, featuring the first males on the front cover that we've seen since this series started. Because it's the boys issue. The boys issue. And uh, we see um, Lottie's ex-boyfriend. Sonny. Sunny, who uh, is now dating like her enemy, mm-hmm. um, who just woke up from a coma, um, have like a boys' day with uh, this horrible jerk Ashley, who's marrying Meg, which is Norm Girl. Norm Girl, right? Uh, and uh, he's like, I just love like Brian Lee O'Malley just wrote him like the most despicable yeah. douchebag, <laughs> like the worst guy. They go play squash together, but because this guy's like an Instagram bro. He just has a really great outfit, but sucks at squash. Yep, totally. Um, and uh, it's just like just being so lewd about, you know, fucking girls and yeah. cheating, cheating on his fiance. And he calls his penis his Zord. His Zord, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, Sonny hates him, but he's like, you know, continuing with them. I love that there's an extended shower sequence. Yeah. And of course, Ashley just has his dick out. Sorry, his Zorg, Zord out for the entirety <laughs> of it. And also in the background of all of this, we have Virgil, Caroline's, or Cool Girl's younger brother, who is such a hilarious, mysterious presence in this whole series, who seems to be masterminding everything. Yeah, like spying on them, both for the, to like further his own like actions and mm-hmm. like, like to further the plot, but also maybe he just wants to spy on the naked man. Yeah, who could yeah. say? Um, and... Uh, we also have a, a little update from the um, the, the fashion detective, yeah. who uh, who has his heart set on on Lottie. Um, but uh, we have a lot, there's a lot going on in this issue. There's a lot going on, and like I love that all the characters that you think are good guys, something horrifying happens, and you realize that they're not that good. And there's something really like unsettling about this whole book. Like it looks so beautiful, and Lottie is so beautiful, but then. We pretty much only see her through text message in this issue. Yeah, like totally. she's just we see like the what she's actually doing and how she's texting people and her anxieties about like saying the wrong thing. Then we see Charlene who's developing a really full on obsession with Lottie and something. And then you see you think that Ash you think Sonny is this really good guy and then it, there's something really weird going on there. He's got a big naked picture of Lottie on his bedroom wall. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, Lottie 
like you know desperate for attention so texting every guy in her phone book yeah. or just every friend in her phone book um, yeah. wanting to have a conversation with someone and um uh John the detective writes back immediately um <laughs> and and her response is like yikes needy yeah <laughs> yeah this is really great like it's it's i forget that it's a satire yeah because it's quite biting in parts but it, the presentation is is quite accepting of yeah. the flaws of these characters at the same time i think that's like brian Lee o'malley loves a good flawed character who you love but hate like scott pilgrim is a terrible yeah. dude yeah definitely. and lottie is awful but you still want to see her win definitely and I think, like you know, like a book that was this much about texting and 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 young people's mm-hmm. social lives would be so much more condescending towards it in another writer's hands. Like absolutely. it would absolutely be like you know, damn these idiot millennials. And this yeah. kind of you know, it it, it 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 is, but it also is like embraces it exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's such a great unique book, Snot Girl. And it yeah, looks and Leslie fantastic. Hung is such yeah. a fucking talent. Like this is such a beautiful book, and the way it looks is so fundamental to how it feels. I know that sounds silly, but like, um, yeah, I just, I, I love this book so much. It's Definitely. top of my pile. Every time it comes out, it's such a, it's so good. It's so different to everything else out there. Yeah. And uh, if you, if you like um, Leslie Hung, she started a podcast called Salt and Honey mm. with Sloane Leong. Sloane Leong, who I love. I haven't heard of either of those books. From Under Mountains and Prison Stalker. From Under Mountains is, um, it was part of that eight house um, thing that Brandon Graham tried to do at oh, Image. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. And it's like this really cool, high concept fantasy thing. I loved it. Yeah, cool. Awesome. She's working on some female basketball book and I'm very excited about Sounds that. Sounds great. Unreal. Yeah, man, it's not girl. One of my favorite issues of the week. Absolutely agreed. Um, another really uh, fun uh, image book coming out now is uh, is The Hard Place. This is the uh, second image book this year to be written by Doug Wagner after he wrote Plastic, which is one of our secret favorites of the year. It's not a secret. Um, art by this one, art on this book is by Nick Rummel, whose art I fall more and more for Absolutely. with each issue. Um, this is about a um, a former getaway driver who mm-hmm. spent who's just gotten out of prison after a bust went awry. Sorry, Ori. Ori. <laughs> Um, and uh, on his first day out of jail, he gets uh, brought back into the criminal underworld that he wanted so badly to not be a part of anymore. Um, Bad Russian gangsters. Yeah, and uh, much like Plastic, where like anything could happen to these characters, uh, similarly, similar things happen in this issue. And Was it the last issue? Or is it this issue that ends with... Uh, yeah, it was the last issue that ended with him getting shot directly in the head. Yeah. Um, and uh, luckily, the bullet missed everything important. Phew. And, uh, this is going to. This is like kind of like I guess I, I, I'm assuming this is a six issue miniseries too. I hope so. But um, yeah, after everything has been fucking awful, mm. um, it looks like the, t- the tables are about to turn, and hopefully everyone's going to fix fix the problems. Yeah, this is just like a really great, super tightly paced. Um, crime book. Like yeah, crime. I don't know, like. Is getaway driving a whole genre into itself? No, but now it is. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a much better than the movie Baby Driver. Oh, really? I still haven't seen that. But I love Edgar Wright. Yeah, me too. I think uh, from a direct directorial point of view, um, it's a really, really fun movie. Mm. But I think it's his weakest writing in the mm. movie yet. And okay. the characters in particular. It's going to be very icky seeing it now because Kevin Spacey has a big yeah. role. But um, I think a lot, there, a lot of the characters for me felt very empty. Okay. Which is not something that I associate Edgar Wright's movies with at all. Mm. 
Um, looks great though. Great, great chase sequences. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. For there, that. Are, there are excellent chase sequences in this comic but I, too. I quite like movies with really hollow <laughs> leads. Valerian, yeah. I loved Valerian. Yeah, right. I need to see that. Yeah, but I mean, you went in there without the expectation of Edgar Wright directing it. I yeah, think you true. Do expect something more. I mean, like that's the thing. I, I, I probably would have enjoyed this movie had it not been directed by anyone else. I was mm. at sort of high expectations for Edgar though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he directed Scott Pilgrim. We talked about that earlier. I've seen that. I saw that movie five times at the cinema. Oh, cool! I was wow. still a teenager, and I had time and funds to do that. I saw it twice, and then I bought the Blu-ray, and I bought the video. I bought a PlayStation Three just so I could play the video game. Yeah. Um, and I bought two of the soundtracks, and <laughs> <laughs> and I have all of the color editions of the comic book. Yeah. The hardcover ones. They're nice. And I paid like a double price for them because if you did it from directly from the Only Press website, they sent you a bunch of crap. Oh, yeah. You had all that like cool <laughs> have, junk. Yeah. I have like drumsticks with yep. like the Scott Pilgrim logo on them or something like that and like cool. trading cards and like lanyards and like weird things that like just in an envelope now. <laughs> <laughs> Collecting. It's <Classic>. stupid. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some image books that each other did not read. You want to talk okay. about Angelic number three? Yep. Angelic written by Cy Spurrier and art by Casper Wingard. This is like a really, I think it's Sysbury trying to do like an all ages comic really. Cause in the back he's like, send me your pictures of like um, the characters that you've drawn and oh stuff. God, and they just, want, it's so convoluted. I couldn't like, I, I, I went through this issue on in the store and I was just like, no, I can't do this. I, yeah, it is. It is a little bit. Cause it's this kind of like weird post-apocalyptic world where like, Animals have gained sentience and a sort of uh, change. So there's like flying monkeys and these, they look like uh, like sea lions or yeah. seals that are in these sort of flying pods. And they're all trying to find, re- rediscover or find God and find their maker. And so they're kind of going beyond this team up of a young female winged monkey and this like really sassy seal pod guy <laughs> um, uh, have teamed up to go further than either of them have ever explored to try and track down their god. And now they're being attacked by scary cat demons and the flying monkey people. And I, like, I really enjoy this. It's the, really the silly and high cool concept. And the, the, the concept is cool. I just, like, I can't do the dialects of all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. All it's of like, the different... what, what if every character was Gollum from The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Everyone's bizarro. But it's kind of funny because... He's tried to, I think, incorporate elements of uh, traits that we associate with different animals into their characters. So the cat demon character is all like, touch me, don't touch me, touch me, don't touch me, all the time. And um, the monkeys are sort of really fun-loving and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of amazing ideas in this. I'll give it that. Yeah. it's it's, And I think the art um, has a lot to do with why it appeals to me and the color palette is really beautiful and sort of weird and it's very otherworldly. Um, so I really enjoy it but I can understand the the dialogue getting a bit old. Mm. Um, so I read uh, Savage Dragon, issue number 228. Um, I've uh, newly started reading this with issue yep. 225 after Jim from King's Comics basically like tried to get me to read it every single week. <laughs> um, and uh, I've, I've been enjoying it. But um, this issue, obviously, it's, it's written and drawn by Eric Larson, whose art I really, really love. Uh, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, colors by Nikos Kutsis, um, and flats by Mike Torres. I don't know what that means. Uh, like, like flat like colors? The shoes? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and he drew all of the shoes, <laughs> but no heels. Um, but uh, this comic, it's, you know, it's, 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 
in a way, it's like a celebration of everything Eric Larson loves about like early Marvel comics. Yeah, creating his own, his own superhero in his own, own world that that you know got moves in real time. So mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're however many like decades. Uh, we've we've grown with these different characters, and this is now like the son of Savage Dragon is the main character now, and uh, this featured he has a goatee. One of the like, there's, there's like you know big a lot of violence in this in this comic, like you know as in, in most superhero comics. It also has like the most over the top, yeah, like grotesque <laughs> s- sex scene I've ever seen. It is really full on, in like yeah, that one page is really it's almost it's too much. It's a bit much, even for me. <laughs> like, I think it's cool that they have, like, these two main characters that love each other and just want to fuck all the time. Yeah, that's They've nice. got children, too. Like, you know, it's cool, man. Parents can have sex. It's like, Absolutely. Good, good, Eric Larson. How do you the- think babies got there? Yeah, yeah, but, like, that, the- it's like, I don't <laughs> understand how you take a character seriously after seeing what happens to her while she has yeah. sex with Savage Dragon. But I think that's the thing, like, you... I think Eric Larson very fundamentally doesn't take any of these characters very seriously. Right. And it is notoriously like this super horny comic that no one expects. Like I remember reading, uh, like there was one story arc that was all about a threesome. Yeah. And, and it was and like a whole arc. Right. Was just about a threesome. Then so it, I, yeah. They immortalized it in the, there's a very, a very graphic variant cover for 225. Amazing. Um, which I had, I read because that was when when two twenty five came out. That was the only copy that King came in the King. So I had to have this copy that I couldn't let anyone see me reading. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting on the bus with it like open. Yeah, look, I, I, I've I've got no problem with sex scenes. No, especially when like there definitely is it is comedic. Yes, but you have to wonder like like there's a couple of panels in this. Like they're not really funny. They're just kind of gross. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> I know. Like, uh, Who's uh, that for, Eric Larson? Just I'm, for I'm you? A, I'm a big fan of the Rodriguez brothers, and yeah, they like you know, um, not Jamie, um, Gilbert, Gilbert, and Nanez is will regularly cross the line into just straight up pornographic fantasy comics, mm-hmm. but they they're never like as grotesque as this. <laughs> anyway, and Eric Larson is not like someone that I would be like. He knows how to draw something sexy. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, I mean, that, it looks bizarre. I don't know. I don't know whose, don't know whose thing that is, but <laughs> Jim. Jim from Kings. Yikes. <laughs> he doesn't listen. No. Unless we're doing it in front of him. Um, the podcast, I mean. I also read... <laughs> <laughs> That's really how that sounded. Okay, so I also read Glitterbomb. <laughs> Glitterbomb. The, the fame, fame game. game. Written by Jim Zah, but with line art by Jibril Morissette Fan and colors by K. Michael Russell. Um, yeah, this is more of the, like, being famous is evil. Wanting to be famous is an evil demon. And I quite enjoyed the first arc, and I still like this because I really like the line art specifically. Particularly, I mean. Um, and I still think that this is, like, icky, cool body horror stuff, and there's, like, still some good fun to be had in this, but now the, like, you got bored of the fame is evil mm. overtones in the first story arc and now I'm kind of getting bored of it as well. Fame, Took me a little fame bit is longer, still evil. Fame still evil, still bad. We get it. And there are there are lots of comics that can explore that in, a, in an interesting way. Absolutely. But this is a little bit like it is very... Um, Pulpy schlock kind of stuff. Or? But it's also very like unsubtle in oh, the message right, yeah, that sure. it's... it's um, because pulpy schlock is always, you know... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's notorious for being real subtle. Um, but there's probably, like, like, it's still, there's probably like one or two issues left. At this, yeah, at totally. This I'll probably just finish it off because it's pretty... It's still pretty entertaining. 
Um, so I read uh, issue, or I read some of issue seven of Redneck by Donny Cates, Lissandro oh, yeah. Estheran, and Deacon Neef. Um, issue six wrapped up everything of the first arc quite nicely to the point where this is like the vampires comic. Yeah. And um, basically, all, all something happened. All the vampires moved out of the city. They left the city, and um, I'm, I just this didn't grab me the same way the first arc did. Um, and I've got plenty of nice things to say about the comics that Donny Cates is reading about writing for Marvel now. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm just going to have that six issue be a nice little closer to a series that I thought was okay. Nice. <laughs> um, but we both read from Image this week, um, Underwinter, A Field of Feathers. Um, and uh, this by is Ray the, uh, Fawkes. Yeah, the second uh, volume of the Underwinter series by Ray Fawkes. And uh, this series is, uh, I mean, they're kind of beyond like a unsettling kind of demon possession kind of mm. plot line there aren't many connections to the first book at all no that i can see other than birds being a continuing motif but the, the other one were like anthropomorphic bird like 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 men with yeah. birds heads this is just birds are evil yeah um but the, the bulk of it is about um a, a father who has taken his two children away from his wife who has yeah. done something bad yeah to the kids yes um potentially because of Demon possession? I don't know. Potentially because of mental health problems. Yeah. Um, And uh, I think there there is a lot more to the plot, even though it's quite slow moving and we're only getting little pieces of it. I just find it harder to describe than the first one, which was because I guess it was like, it's a string quartet that has to play to demons. Like this is like a lot harder to kind of... Uh, describe him in, in in one set or just describe it all really yeah um it's a very very unsettling comic and uh so beautiful yeah ray fox writes and illustrates and letter uh, does everything except the lettering himself um and it looks so beautiful it's all sort of these painted watercolors um that's really gorgeous and again very unsettling yeah um so yeah look I, there are we've talked about a lot of good horror comics Mm. There, there are a bunch of them out at the moment, but Absolutely. this is probably my favorite. Yeah. Just it's because, definitely the most unique. Yeah. It just, it, it's unlike any other comic that I read each time. and I, Or anything I've ever like consumed as a piece of art. Like it's, I've never seen yeah. a movie like this. I've never read you, a book like this. I can, I can understand if someone finds it very frustrating because you very rarely get answers to yeah. anything, especially with, you know, when you have this second volume that doesn't address the, what are the events of the first at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I really, I really like what Ray Fox is doing here. Yeah. Something very cool. Check it out. Underwinter. A Field of Feathers. Mm. I gather this will be another five or six issue miniseries too. I think so. Continue it. I mean, it's really, really good. So there's our image uh, reviews. Um, and now we move on to Marvel. I left most of my Marvel issues at home because I'm a, I'm a real turd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to try and remember everything that I read. Cool. Um, we can start with uh, um, there were some big legacy issues that I jumped on this week. I guess um, the big one was uh, Don- the mentioned Donny Cates uh, taking oh, yeah. over Thanos. Absolutely. With issue number thirteen, with art by Jeff Shaw, um, and uh, yeah, the, the previous uh, kind of twelve issues of this were uh, written by Jeff Lemire, mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of this takes on a much more big approach that I would expect Lemire to do than what he did with his series. His yeah. series was like Thanos is dying and Thane, his son, um, tries to replace him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it contained a lot of kind of like lesser known cosmic characters. And uh, uh, Donny Cates kind of takes that, that vibe that was started. Obviously, Thanos is uh, he's not dying anymore. He's mm-hmm. kind of looking to take back better. his throne. Um, and uh, this kind of sees him 
almost do something like create like a new corner of Marvel's cosmic universe for Thanos mm. to be in. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of like really crazy surprises in here. Um, the first of which is uh, the reveal of uh, him being attacked by a ghost rider. Yeah. Do you know, who do you think that character? I don't know. Because they say when, when, before he was Ghost Rider, he was, you know, someone different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. So cool. They set up, like, Donny Cates has set up some really cool, like, mysteries. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then he, Thanos comes face to face at the end with, you know, you're expecting, like, Galactus or something like that. Mm. But it's actually just himself, an older version of himself. Yeah, saying you've won. Um, and that's, I think, is this arc called Thanos Wins? Yeah. It's so cool. Like, I think that Donny Cates has done the first... Um, you get this big sort of double page spread that just says Thanos wins. Um, because that, that's like, you know, what, what everybody says at the end of at the end of Cosmos, that yeah. Thanos wins. Yeah. And it says a total obsession with power drives him to control the forces of the universe. I think that's like such a perfect summation of who Thanos is as a character and just really sets it up. And I think Donny Case has a really strong idea of what he's doing and where he's going with this and i think it's great and uh for the first time ever a writer does something interesting with the chitari yeah who were the uh the aliens that were made up for the avengers movie so many marvel aliens why would you even uh, need to make it is up? baffling like yeah it's funny like critiquing justice league so heavily but then you think back to the avengers movies and while they were still very enjoyable movies there are a lot of bizarre decisions yeah. like that that like totally. i feel like i would tear apart it were it in justice league mm. but you know, it was enjoyable enough when I saw it the first time. But the Shatari are like, yeah, this is a very bland, um, you know, bug-like species of aliens mm. that I don't, I don't even know what their referendum is. But um, I kind of, I, I like that you could almost, I thought that they were actually setting up something to mirror the way that Thanos, like, basically hires them to invade mm. Earth with Loki at the start, in, in the Avengers movie. I thought this is going to be almost a precursor to that because he lands on the Chitauri planet and, like, kills their king and then, um, mm-hmm. like, sits on the throne. Um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. But then yeah, Ghost Rider this crazy cosmic version of Ghost Rider. Yeah. Just such a brilliant design of yep. not just the character, but his bike too, which is like, he doesn't have a wheel. He has like this bizarre orb. Yeah. And just like the, the <laughs> physicality of this character, he's really sort of uh, like 
chipper yeah, <laughs> or something, the way totally. he stands. And... Oh, and then his dialogue is too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, super happy with this. Although it does uh, continue the weird worrying choice of uh, having black word balloons with red dialogue that I thought was just going to be a weird DC thing. Not spreading. It's a, it's a virus. It's spreading like a terrifying disease. Um, but uh, Donny Cates, he's, doing, he's, he's one for one yeah. now. Sorry, two for two. Two for two. He's um, killing it. I, en- I enjoyed his Doctor Strange and I enjoyed his uh, his Thanos. Yeah, keep it up. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Um, I also read a legacy book that I've never read before um, uh, and that is uh, The oh. Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Oh, I read like the first two issues of this and then gave up. So this is, uh, set, I wasn't sure who the creative team was when this started. Um, but uh, basically it is kind of like Marvel having their cake and eating it too and having a mm-hmm. um, uh, set in another you know, unnamed Marvel universe. Maybe they've named it at some point, but um, Peter Parker and Mary Jane stayed married uh, yep. and uh, had a kid and the three of them fight crime as spider heroes. Cute. Um, and I liked uh, that concept, but the first couple of issues didn't really sell me on it. So I was midway through this and, um, you know, at first we see um, her name is Spiderling, but she hates that name. Mm. The, the daughter of um, Peter and Mary Jane is uh, fighting, like kind of practicing to fight crime in the, uh, in the, the X-Men. Um, uh, what's the danger room. Danger room. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Peter's getting sassed by not both her, own, not just his own daughter, but also Wolverine, which is hilarious. And um, I just, I loved this fun, He's still like pathetic. He still has mm. money problems version of Peter Parker, but it was just so fun. Mm. And the his daughter is written so well. I was like, who wrote this? And I turned back to the front page because I just picked it up because I made a stupid rule for myself that I was going to give all these you know legacy yeah. issues a, a, a shot. It's Jodie Hauser. Oh, it definitely wasn't Jodie Hauser when yeah. it started. So this must be she must have maybe just come on for like as of now. Cool. Um, you know, Jodie Hauser, um, best known for uh, Mother Panic and Faith. Over mm-hmm. at Valiant, um, but uh, this was so good, and cool. like I feel like I keep giving chances to Spider-Man comics and just being like, oh god, why is it so complicated? Mm. Spider-Man is not a complicated character. Why are his comics so like wordy and like you know so many threads of of of, of different kind of plots working towards a, mm-hmm. a, a disappointing end end game? This was just like such a pure Spider comic. Mm. I like honestly, if you've been feeling the same way I have about about Spider Man, give this issue a shot. Oh, cool. it, it's like they, um, he's like Peter Parker. You know, he, he has a desperation to him, no matter which iteration you're reading. And in, there is no more. I mean, I, I, like you know, even if I wasn't a dad, like you really connect with his desperation because all he wants to do is just connect with his with his teenage mm. daughter. And you know, he, he's as 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 they both get older, it's harder and harder for him to do. And so he says, you know, like, what do you say? We have a you know famous Parker family fun day, um, and she's like, oh, I really wanted to go to the, the VR amusement park, and he's like, totally, let's do it. And then because money's tight, they can't, so they just go to Coney Island, mm. and she's really disappointed. But then the lizard attacks, and they all start fighting fighting the lizard together. Cool. Yeah, I um I, I was like, this was my biggest surprise of the week. That sounds just, so like, cool. A really, really fun classic Spider-Man book. Fun. Yeah. Oh, nice. So thanks, Jody Hauser. And very, very fun, simple um, art by Nick Roche too um, and Ruth Redmond on colours. Um, that wasn't my art, wasn't my, f- my favourite thing about the book. It was the, definitely the writing, but um, it was it was solid for sure. Cool. Amazing Spider-Man, renew your vows. I liked it. Nice. Um, we got one more legacy book. Um, or maybe, actually, no, the, 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 I guess you can count Moon, Moon Girls as a legacy yeah. one too. It's hard just counting the ones that are like the start of the new arcs. Right. So, Dumb system to include in a podcast, whatever. Um, so Silver Sable and the Wild Pack. This is another one of those bizarre sort of one-shot ones where they're like, what have these characters been up to? 
Um, so this is technically issue 36 of Silver Sable. This is written by Krista Faust with pencils by Paolo Siquera and Jose Luis and then colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And I mean... It's a one-shot in which Silver Sable has no character development, but she just And no character. She just is someone that stops some Nazis. Yeah. But like, how hardcore can these Nazis be? Because there's definitely some Nazis of color in this. Um, they're like, yeah, they're more kind of like a, a fascist terrorism sect or something. I don't know. Yeah. This was just a mess. Just a waste. And like, there were, like the way it ended was just like, I, it didn't make sense. There were, <laughs> from panel to panel, I didn't understand what was going on in this from a storytelling perspective and a lot of the action oh, scenes. It, it just jumps forward for that final page, right? Is that? Yeah. It's just like the end. Yeah. It doesn't even get, really. And then they got rescued. Up. Yeah. Yep. Bad. Yeah. Don't read it. This is a, Done. Um, yeah, these have these have been like a these, like, these weird one shot. Well, I, I don't know. Like, was she big in the eighties or the nineties? I, I bet the nineties is when she was a big character. When it was just like you know, she's a girl with pockets on her costume. <laughs> totally, million sold. <laughs> but also, like, it's not like Silver Sable hasn't been in shit recently. She was in a recent um, Spider Man story arc, really recent. Yeah. So it's not like she's apparently they're making a movie either. about her. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That sucks. What a waste. White Widow. Lame. Without any of the character. Um, so uh, I've, I enjoyed... A, basically, one of the common theme with uh, a lot of the books I read this week was the word girl. Mm. Because I already said how much I like Snot Girl. I'm going to talk about the finale of Motor Girl, which I really loved. Mm. But uh, one of my favorite Marvel books this week was Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, and this uh, the start of this new legacy arc is called The Fantastic Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves Ben Grimm and the Human Torch. AKA the thing and Johnny Storm. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, like giving her all the old Fantastic Four, all of Reed Richards' old gadgets because yeah. they don't know anyone else in the world that will appreciate them. And um, this was so great. It's so good, right, man? It's such a good comic. The art by Natasha Bustos with colors by Tamara Bombion is like Reason just enough so beautiful. Just to pick it up. Just to- I think it's why I don't ever feel like Moon Girl has worked 100% in any other Marvel book. And I think it's because they've got such a good visual style for her yeah. in this book that it just doesn't, it's never It's just so classic. Quite right. It's so classic. So classic. They might be like one of my favorite art teams. Absolutely. The two of them. They're so good. Um, and her little face. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, and just brilliant character design too. Yeah. Someone started a thread. Um, in uh, in our Serious Issues Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast, mm-hmm. saying uh, who do you think are the best Marvel characters to be introduced in the last decade? And, you know, a lot of people were saying Ms. Marvel and a lot of people saying um, uh, like Miles Morales, mm-hmm. um, who I think are great, but I, I just think for me, Moon Girl is just like... Totally. It's just such a great, well-realized character. And I think the reason why I was like one of the few people, I don't think, there was, I can't remember if anyone even mentioned her mm. but i think like because she's just so badly used when she's outside of her yeah. own book like everyone should just read her book just give it a chance it is just Absolutely. like it's not like yes it's a great all ages book but it's just a great classic comedy book co- comic book like, absolutely agreed yeah and i really enjoyed um the characterization of both the thing and johnny storm in this I and think silver surfer really, yeah and silver surfer yeah really good fun so we know that Chip Zdarsky is going to do the uh, Fantastic Two comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're excited about this, you should definitely read this issue of Moon Girl, this arc of Moon Girl. I forget, you could just pick it up. All you need to know is that she's the smartest person on the earth. 
And she used to have and a big red young. dinosaur, but he's oh, gone yeah. away for a little he's while. Gone away. Bring him back. Yeah. And God, they've just done such a good job of like having her learn lessons yes but, over this, but, uh, these arcs but you don't learn lessons as a reader which is very important yeah as a kid you got to see the character learn the lesson without it being a lesson being beaten into your head absolutely like she's had to learn that teamwork is important yeah exactly that's pretty much like yeah. what she's learned so far is that you can rely on other people sometimes and that was a really earned and a really sweet um thing i Excellent. love this book Excellent so beautiful issue. So the polar opposite of a very fun and all ages and um, colourful uh, issue of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is Punisher, The Platoon, uh, a Max Comics uh, Marvel book written by Garth Ennis with art by Goran Parlov and Jordi Belair. Did yeah, you stop reading? I stopped reading it. Oh, War Comics. the best one so far. It was the War best comics one so make far. me feel so uncomfortable. Um, it does not celebrate war. I get yeah. why. You know, he, he, I think Garth Ennis respects war. Yeah. Like a lot, mm. like not in, as in respects what, ha, yeah, what was done the during the war. And, during, and I think he, there are very few writers that I think do it justice like that, where it mm. never feels like he's glorifying it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, he has written way too many war comics for yeah, someone that I just it. said that, yeah, whatever. He's extremely good at it. My favorite Garth Ennis is, one, is, is either writing Punisher Max or writing a war comic. And yeah. when he's doing both, oh my God, I'm in heaven. Um, but not really. It's like not- still very hard to read but that said this issue was the closest it will get to fun um basically the punish of the platoon is about a writer um talking with um a bunch of soldiers who uh were in the uh in frank castle's platoon uh, when he was in the vietnam war and basically he's writing a book about frank castle um and he's he's talking to not just the american soldiers but also vietnamese soldiers as well to kind of get both sides of frank castle's story mm-hmm. um and as, as as he served um, and, uh, this one was really cool because, you know, like, uh, if you, if you were to say that Punisher has like a superpower, it's, you know, he's very calculating, um, and like, you know, um, an expert at, um, what do you say when you strategy, strategy. strategy. I guess so. Yeah. It wasn't quite what I was going for, but uh, yeah, like an expert military strategic mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I guess you would just see that as like, you know, no, move over that way. Move over that way. We won the battle. Mm. But this one, like up, upon realizing that their current weapons are useless when they get wet or get mud on them, um, he arranges a trade with uh, someone who's been who kind of like deals in, you know, I guess like the the underworld of of uh, of, of soldiers, mm-hmm. um, and organizes for them to get a um, a bunch of AKs instead of their current like M M M forties or M sixties or whatever guns um and uh the scene it's, it's it's really really clever because um it means that like you know his platoon will actually have weapons that um that will work but the the government don't want them to ha- use those weapons mm. so he basically like they, they they take the uh the ak's from the um the dead vietnamese troops and trade them with this guy mm. um in return for guns that they actually want to use um but then there's this brilliant moment where um the guy leading the underworld um like you know kind of the racket of, uh, of the weapons is he, he, he goes, Frank says like, Oh, scuttlebutt says there's some heroin going around. And the guy says, why I'm as shocked as you are, sir. And then you just see this brilliant panel of just like Frank Castle staring right at this guy with his yeah, big yeah, yeah. you know piercing blue eyes saying it doesn't come anywhere near 861. And then like, you just see the, the, the other characters, pupils like shrink. Goran Palov does this great thing where all background characters or just like, you know, for certain mm. emotion things, he just says, do dots for eyes. Mm. And so you just see these tiny eye guys go, right, right, right. Like just yeah. stuttering, just like, you know, he's seen 
the future of what Frank Castle becomes and he's terrified by it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I that thought... is a great moment. And Goran Pavlov is such a huge talent that like I I almost want to keep reading this because you should the th- th- this issue would resell you and, and like mm. it, it's very, very good. Yeah. Maybe. I'll have a look. Yeah. War sucks. War right? is you can go out on a limb something. there. Yeah, sure. Suicide is uh painless. <laughs> you know, mash. Oh. Nope. No, fucking millennials. Um, I read Cable this week. Did yeah, you me read too. Cable? Um, I d- won't be reading another issue. Yeah, I can't be fucked anymore. Is that the end of your review? Yep, done. <laughs> just, just, just whatever. Just average, real average. And just like... I wanted it to be more referential of like Liefeldy stuff. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah, it's just it's chaotic with how many characters are in it. Absolutely. And then all the little plots don't really seem to go anywhere. And, um, and Shatterstar isn't as good as he should be. Agreed. Hmm. Uh, but X-Men Gold this week um, I know I kept saying I was going to drop it um, But I guess I don't listen to myself ever Yeah um, Because that, I did drop the it. Mojo arc was real dumb But uh, X-Men Gold issue number 16 uh, Written by Mark Guggenheim With art by Lan Medina Who is someone I've not seen before But I really like his art um, uh, Inks by Jay Leaston, Craig Young And colours by Frank Martin and Andrew Crossley This is the melodramatic um, relationship driven X Men comic that we love. I'm sad I didn't read it. And you see Peter and 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 Kitty finally hook up. What? Yeah, and Uh. and it's a really funny way. And like um, uh, Rachel Gray's really gossipy about it when she finds out because she does a telepathic link directly into Kitty's mind after, (laughs) like the morning after. Um, And then like you know, there's some less fun stuff like a, a you know random alien spacecraft. Um, attacks New York to steal some, to find someone that's been like laying dormant, um, and that was less good. But just seeing, I I, I do love X yeah. characters and I love the relationships they have. That's why I read X Men books, mm. and uh, that was definitely catered to. So for another 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 issue, I'll definitely be continuing with X Men Gold. Cool. Oh, I'm gonna check that out. X Men Blue is out this week, and like X Men Gold was good enough that I'm gonna give X Men Blue another shot too. Yeah, fair I'm, enough. I'm real, I'm real stupid. <laughs> um, I also read Keeping It X themed. Read Generation X, written by uh, Christa, Christina Strain and art by Amilcar Pina, colors by Philippe Sobrero. This is the sort of um, slightly useless X Men team led by Jubilee, Vampire Jubilee, um, with Quentin Quire and all kinds of cute queer romances going on this is kind of uh wrapping up an arc i think oh no it's all to do with um what's her name monet oh yep anyway it's real good i really like it it's yeah, not cool. a good explanation but there was like good um good relationship development in this issue good character development for a couple of people i really like the way they use quentin choir Fuck, this in this book such good art it's so art. interesting looking is that mirazo back no no Kim no no right sure um, yeah, it's cool. been the same person the yeah, whole time, right. and I think it's a really strong look for the series. I think it's really great. Yeah, really, really Highly good. Highly recommend it. Sweet. I'll definitely got to pick up the trades when they come out. Um, final X-Book, uh, All New Wolverine, issue number 27, written by Tom Taylor with art by Juan Cabal and colors by Nolan Woodard. Um, this uh, sees uh, the reunion of uh, Laura with her mother, um, turn, torn to shreds when uh, Dakin, Dakin. Dakin shows up and shoots her because she, yeah. it turns out she's a robot. Like kind I hate of it when or, your mum turns out to be a robot. Some kind of like, and she's kind of controlled by a committee of people who call themselves the Orphans of X. It's very similar to the story arc that's going on in Detective Comics at the moment. Kind of. At, at this point, I'm enjoying this a bit more. Mm. Just because Dakin's in this. Yeah. I love, I love Dakin. Put Dakin in Detective Comics. Dakin Active Comics. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this this uh, this like comic has been given like an injection of life. Yeah, um, I've always been a fan of how it includes so much more of the Marvel universe than just Laura's immediate mm-hmm. kind of cast. Like I like that Captain Marvel's always hanging around. Yeah, um, and they always introduce like fun characters like Dakin. Um, and Gabby's great as well. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah, Love good, it. good book. Good book. Um, Black Panther. Black Panther issue number one sixty seven, written by Tanahisi Coates with Leonard Kirk on art and uh, colors by Laura Martin and Matt Miller, inks by Mark Deering. Um, this uh, kind of we kind of slowly move towards uh, Claw, Ulysses mm-hmm. Claw, attacking Black Panther and everything that he's uh, worked so hard to build in these last few issues mm-hmm. um and uh he's been working with uh what's his name the dude, the dude from the wrecking crew yep i can't remember his name um but they don't trust him um and uh i love that manifold is just like he, he, he's just part of black panther's posse yeah yeah it just, just shows up to like teleport him out yep. give him some dialogue there please coats i yeah, love manifold <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah this is really fun you can tell they're building to something enormous yeah absolutely um but it's definitely a building a building issue uh, so I read uh, a few more that I forgot to bring to Siobhan's house um, and that she didn't read. So yeah. luckily I've written them down, but I can't tell you the creative team. Uh, so sorry. Um, maybe I can guess. That won't, that won't go terrible. Um, but uh, Invincible Iron Man number 594, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Stefano Caselli and um, Alex Maleev. Whoa. Can't do the colors. Sorry. Can't remember. Uh, this um, was the fucking epitome of, you know, when uh, Brian Bendis does something really, really big and you're like, holy shit, how is he going to address this? Mm-hmm. And in this, in, in the second last issue, that was uh, Tony Stark essentially coming back. And then he just doesn't. How did he come back? Well, he's just like, he's like the, the body of t- Tony Stark has woken up and is mm. missing. Um, and, you know, then he'll like, it's just, he always fucking does this. He'll do an issue which is just not addressing that situation whatsoever yeah, yeah, yeah. and moving on to like, you know, it's like just entertaining enough that you that you forget. And then on the last page, you catch up with the big thing that was revealed right. in exactly the same position that you last saw it in, in the issue that it was introduced. So yeah, Tony Stark is still like lying on the floor and we don't know what's going to happen. And it's just like, we read an entire issue that didn't address it whatsoever. Lame. But all of um, uh, Victor Von Doom's um, fellow enemies or like you know fellow villains mm-hmm. have caught up with him and they're now beating the shit out of him huh, because he's nice. trying to be good now oh uh, right okay yeah yeah which is a similar to deathstroke i guess hmm. hmm comics can be similar sometimes <laughs> it's one thing i've learned doing this podcast <laughs> uh luke cage issue 167 came out uh written by david walker with art that is pretty good by someone whose name starts with his last name starts with c nice that helps does uh, whittle it down uh and this issue um was very um Quite a fun, simple comic of um, Luke Cage is now, is stuck in this kind of uh, in, he's back in jail again, and the whole jail is run by someone that has like mind control over everybody. Cool. Um, and uh, there was something just quite fun and nice about reading a really f- simple Luke Cage comic that mm. um, wasn't trying to mirror th- what we see in the Netflix show while introducing a bunch of like kind of current day politics. Um, like I'm fine with one of those things yeah, yeah, yeah. but not like not, it, not throwing at all and also like trying to not be like anything that we saw in power man and iron fist that great run mm. um but uh yeah david walker's doing good work on this run again i, I actually quite enjoying Luke oh, cage cool. now finally i read royals number 11 
which was I written by too. Al Ewing Way with art by what's his name, Javier Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, and uh, so gorgeous. Yeah, another issue building up to something fantastic, but we do see um, something fantastic happen in this issue when we mm. see um, uh, what's his name, old Jumpy Feet. What's the guy that has like goat legs that oh. can jump really high? <laughs> um, old Gorgon. Gorgon. Um, old w- Jumpy Feet. We see. <laughs> Should we name the episode Old Jumpy Feet? <laughs> Probably. Um, we see him uh, basically like there are these crystals that allowing humans to access the most power that they will, the most powerful form. Mm. And um, he, he, he touches the crystal and then tries to take on heaps and heaps of these super big gods. Cool. And he, when he thumps the ground with his old jumpy feet, he, <laughs> uh, he destroys the planet that they're on, which is pretty crazy. Um, so Probably yeah. a bad call. Royals is good. You can tell it's about to finish, wrap up and finish, and we'll get some other like kind of streamlined Inhumans book in its place. Cool. Hopefully, we'll keep Al Ewing on board though because he's been quite good. Also, Javier Rodriguez. Yeah, definitely. Always, he's so good. always good. But I'm just happy to kind of follow him wherever he shows up because I'm, I feel like I don't feel like I've never been reading a book that he shows up on. Like I've never not been reading a book that he just shows up on. It's always like this person's always like, oh yeah, 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 totally. Um, so those are our Marvel reviews and now we are going to review DC starting with a book that I talked about at the start, um, issued 992 of action comics. Tell me what's going on. The Oz effect aftermath. Now, if you listened to us review the Oz effect, which was, um, Jor-El, um, the father of Superman has returned and he wants Superman to not save earth anymore. Leave earth behind. Dragging you down. They hate you and you hate them. So let's kill them. Nice. Uh, it was a really, really unsatisfying arc, yeah. I thought. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll give it one more chance. Basically, I know how close we are to issue 1,000 of Action <laughs> Comics, and I just yeah. want to keep reading until that point. Fair enough. And I know that is like, you know, encouraging the worst behavior in comic book readers, but uh, fucking sue me. Um, issue number 992 was so great. Oh. Because it was... Like, this is twice that you've convinced me to stop reading things, and then the next issue's been great <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Wait, I stopped... Like I, I convince you to stop reading? Yeah, X Men Gold. Yeah, I was like, that was all yeah, me. You know what? Okay. I mean. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, I, I I made a blood pact with you, and then and then broke <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but um, we see him dealing with you know having his father back and then losing him, with uh, so many different other characters in the um in the DC universe. First, um, we see uh, Bruce like Batman um come to the to Superman's uh, what's it called the. Uh, Fortress of Solitude, Fortress of Solitude. Um, and uh, basically just to check on him and, uh, and Superman's like you, you wouldn't know what it's like to have your father suddenly return only to vanish again and then Batman's like well actually I would Some- actually that happened to me something's going on and so like they start talking about like Dr. Manhattan's influence and then um, Superman goes to save some, some people uh, and then uh, Lois is having to cover for Clark saying like you know um, what's uh, you know what wh- wh- he's his uh his their, their boss at the Daily Planet, Perry Perry, um is like what uh you know where the fuck's Clark at? Mm. And she's got a cover for him. Then he's on the roof and they have this discussion. Suddenly interrupted by none other than Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps. Ooh. He's like Superman, come with me. Um, I found that recording of um of uh Krypton exploding. What? <coughs> so he views the, the 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 footage of Krypton exploding that the Green Lanterns have. Yeah. Um and. Uh, <laughs> No, the Green Lanterns because have they, that. They, 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 they just record, record everything. everything. Yeah, um, they have you know recordings of everything, uh, and 
someone has meddled with the recording, oh, so no. he sees his the ship containing the baby baby him on it, mm-hmm. it's escaped Krypton, and then just as he's about to see, like you know, he's hoping to see his father escaping yeah. too. Um, the someone's tampered with the recording. Oh, no. So who could that be? Who could that possibly be, guys? So then Superman like returns to Earth and sees John, sees Lois. And um, he's like, something's wrong. I, 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 someone can alter time itself. Oh, no. How can I fight that? Mm. And he goes, you know, so, so far we, we've caught up with <laughs> shadow stars <laughs> in the house. Um, so he's, you know, caught up with Batman. He's caught up with Hal Jordan. He then realizes that one of his other super friends has a device that uh, can allow him to travel through time. Cosmic treadmill. So Superman rides the cosmic, the cosmic treadmill. treadmill. Um, Damn he's it. Up, up on the uh, the watchtower and rides the cosmic treadmill, goes back in time, just as he goes back in time to Krypton, who should show up but Booster Gold. What? <laughs> I know. What? <laughs> and he says, Superman, don't. Oh, my God. And they've, they've arrived a second too late and Superman has already left for the past via the time stream. Now the timeline itself is in danger of total collapse. Fucking damn it. All right, I'm going to read that. I know. That sounds amazing. It's like, it's everything we want. Like, like Booster Gold is such such a vision of hope for DC yes. for me. Like, he's such a goofy kind of like almost hero that just when, totally. he, when he shows up, you know, good times follow. And I love time stream shenanigans. Yeah, definitely. And Cosmic Treadmill is the best invention in DC. It's so good. Uh, this, 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 this issue really, really won me back over. So well done to uh, Dan, Jurg- Dan Jurgens. And, is it uh, Jurgens? Y- Jurgens? I don't know. I don't know. So, someone British, let me know. <laughs> um, and uh, letters, uh, sorry, color, art by, oh, it was written by Dan, Dan Jurgens with art by, with, uh, and, and run Rob Williams with art by Will Conrad. Cool. Really, really great. Great Francis Manipal cover as well. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so it's funny. After a really, really shitty event that I was like, fuck this. This is stupid. I was like, just completely won back over by such a great issue. Just, I, I love it when either Marvel or DC celebrate Absolutely. their universe and, 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 and have as many of the characters show up in the other books in a natural, fun way. Yeah. And nothing so celebrates the DC universe like Booster Gold. Yeah, very true. Everyone hates Booster Gold a little bit. <laughs> so earlier in the episode, we also mentioned Detective Comics. Issue 969 came out this week, written by James Tinian IV and uh, Marguerite Bennett. Uh, no, is it? No, I think the artist is by someone, Bennett. He always puts it on, the credits Shane on the Bennett. last. Joe Bennett did the pencils um, with inks by Sol Regler, Sal Regler and uh, colors by Jason Wright. Um, and in this, I guess the, the big pinnacle moment is uh, Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Spoiler, being reuni- reunited with her BF, uh, Tim Drake, who mm-hmm. she thought was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what should be a really beautiful moment is completely undone by like almost comedic facial work. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it looks like she's been in- infected with Joker strain, like the, <laughs> the, that enormous face that she has yeah. <laughs> when she sees him. But whatever. She's just happy to see Tim Drake. Stop yeah. being a dick. We're all happy. Um, but then they get a cool, very well-drawn make-out scene, which I'm very, very happy with. Totally. Totally on board with that. Plus, Killer Moth. Yeah, so Killer Moth is like, he, he sees that Batman has started a bat team, so he thinks the only way to thwart that, him was with a moth team. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best idea, but whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, that's undone quite quickly. Um, and then we catch up with the fucking worst thing to happen in Detective Comics, which is the boring victim syndicate. Anarchy. And anarchy. Um, yeah. And also the main guy from the Victim Syndicate talks uh, with, a, with a black word balloon with red mm-hmm. writing. It's an epidemic. Burn Must all comic books. <laughs> That's the only way to stop it. Whatever. I, like, I, feel, I figure I, I, I genu- generally like, will dislike half of 
every fifth issue of Detective Comics, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, totally. For the rest of the time, it's all, like such a good, such a solid book that I'm okay with every couple of issues not being 100%. Although, with the recent, like, uh, t- you know, future Tim Drake trying to take down Batwoman because she's t- she's everything that's wrong with the universe, yeah. and then her kind of role as, like, the villain in the next comic where we're going to talk about Nightwing mm. and the New Order, I'm worried that they are Captain Marveling. That one. Mm. Ooh, a good point. Because they like she just seems to be like, oh, she's military, therefore that's bad. So yeah, she's yeah, bad. yeah, totally. And like, I don't want her to be at the point where she's making all these decisions that aren't in line with the character because they need someone to be like authoritarian. Mm. Hmm. Mm. So I'm calling it now. Mm. Like I see it. That's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Hard hitting comic reviews. Nightwing: The New Order, issue number four, written by Kyle Higgins with Trevor McCarthy on art, colors by Dean White, letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, this is the you know Elseworlds uh, ish book mm-hmm. in which Nightwing has uh, Nightwing stopped fucked up stopped all superpowers except his son um, that he had with Starfire um, has superpowers. <laughs> so you feel about Starfire? Yep. Um, she. Uh, that's how I feel about this iteration of Starfire. I like her luscious locks. And yeah. So she has like a. She has like a crew cut. Crew cut. I don't know about it, but it's a kind of a funky. She has Captain Marvel's hair actually. Yeah. Fuck the Captain Marvel everyone over at DC. Yeah, she's got Captain Marvel's collar. Mm. Hmm. She hasn't got, even got her boobs out. How is that Starfire <laughs> at all? Um, but uh, yeah, he stopped all superpowers and now maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. Or was it? Nah, I don't think it was a good call. Um, but I liked this version of like the Teen Titans kind of grown up. What do you think about Lois Lane being a Blue Lantern? Yeah, well, A, first I was like, oh, Raven's a Blue Lantern. Yeah, That's totally. interesting. And then they're like, Lois? And I was like, what? Well, yeah, I get like I, Why? I, I'm not, I'm I'm fine with there being Lois on the team because yeah. you know she lost Superman. I guess she would turn to trying to stop Nightwing yeah. or something. But giving her a a hood, a la and Raven, a blue lantern was just like well, I was just like it was a bit like oh, why not Raven? Yeah, I'll just make a Raven. Um, and is that Beast Boy or Changeling or is that the same? That's thing? the same guy. All oh, right, cool. He was just called Changeling for a little while, but um, and Beast Boy is stuck in a half half tiger now. That's pretty fun, right? Fuck, I always thought that there were two different characters. <laughs> no. Don't unsubscribe, everybody. I'm learning. <laughs> I've, I've, there's, a, there's a lot. Teen Titans is a definite gap in my uh, comic book reading. Oh, really? I've read some of Jeff John's run. It's my favorite. And I've read the Judas Coin. Judas Contract? Contract. Judas Coin was that weird Batman Two Face book that, that what, um, uh-huh. Dennis O'Neill did. Uh, Not Dennis O'Neill. Denny who's, O'Neill? No, who's, who's that old guy that. Dennis Cowan? No, the, the old guy that gets allowed gets allowed to write whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, Neil um, Neil Adams. Neil Adams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, that was the least crazy of his uh, yeah. his, his books. One hundred percent is. Um, um, I quite. I'm. This book is like uh, not as fun as I thought it was going to be totally. when I first started, but I'm still gonna. Yeah, we, we got two more issues left. Batgirl. Batgirl. I read Batgirl, which is um, Summer of Lies. Um, the worst kind of summer. <laughs> It is the final issue of this arc, which has art by is it Chris Wild Goose, someone yes. Wild Goose. Yeah. Anyway, he's great. I really like it. I liked this arc. I thought it was like um, it was mostly about the relationship between Babs and Dick, everyone's favorite on and off again couple, and how through everything, through their relationship ups and downs, at the end of the day, they're best friends. That was nice. Hmm. I like that. How lovely. Cute. I love friendship. Um, so we got finally issue nine of uh, Doom Patrol um, by Gerard Way, Nick Darrington, Tom Fowler, and Tamara Bomvian. 
Um, this has been a I long delay. I love Nick Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's delayed because Darrington is a uh, is a perfectionist, mm. um, and you can see that in his very intricate panels and layouts and everything going on in this book. There's some incredible ideas in this book. I loved that the um, the, the big bad is like this forgotten comic relic who who's design has been mm. withheld due to copyright. Yeah. So he's like, it's just big white space with a stamp that says withheld due to copyright on his body. My, well, my issue with this book is that there's a lot of ideas in it and like, they're all good. They're all fun and they're all silly and they're all within the, and the sort of concept of Doom Patrol as Grant Morrison set it out. Totally. Cause the, the Brotherhood of Nada shows up in this, yeah, which is a big thing in, uh, in Grant Morrison's run, but now they're the Brotherhood of Nada. Yeah. <laughs> So they're nothing. Hilarious. But I always felt like Grant Morrison's book was crazy and it had all these crazy ideas, but there was a point to it. I don't see the point to this book well, yet. Well, Grant Morrison's run nine issues in. was 60-something issues long. Yeah. I feel like this is this is always going to be 12 issues long. And so he's yeah. just trying... like Because uh, Jaraway hasn't written anything more like longer than that before. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he was writing with a miniseries in mind before but doing something bigger with the characters. Then I'd expect there to be more happening or for it to be more... Gerardway's crazy. Have a man. point. Yeah, but just say something, yeah, Gerardway. A black parade. <laughs> it's cuckoo bananas. That's crazy. I don't believe it. Uh, but I really enjoy this issue. In spite of like, I, I get those yeah. frustrations. I think like the, the presentation of it, like, and yeah, I, I, like I do. Like part of me is like, oh, this idea is kind of half baked, but it's still kind of fun. Yeah, the fun's always there, and I do like the characters once you finally get to know them. Yeah, but um, also just taking Grant Morrison's, uh, you got to be. I think when you're working with like something that Grant Morrison created, it's like it's like Jeff Johns doing an Alan Moore book. You're not Grant Morrison, so maybe yeah. you should just have your own ideas. The biggest difference is that Grant Morrison probably asked, like, absolutely gave Jared Way his permission. Oh yeah, it was they're like, like please. they're like best buds. Yeah, like I, I saw a live talk of them together. And, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Grant Morrison spent more talk, time talking about Jarrah Way than Jarrah Way talked about Grant Morrison. It was what so frustrating. <laughs> um, a disappointment to only the nerds in the audience and not all of the teenage girls who were there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who were also nerds. Yes. Uh, Commandy Challenge issue number eleven came out this week with art by Walter Simonson, uh, written by Rob Williams. What a cover by Art Adams. Yes, definitely. But what an, a bunch of incredible interiors by Walter Simonson. Oh yeah, I totally. Fucking loved the, these interiors were so good. Yeah, it looks amazing. Because you kind of go in with like tempered expectations. Like, he's done so much great stuff, but like you know, you don't know what you're going to get. I remember he did yeah. like a, a few Hulk issues that people were quite divided on. Yeah. A few years ago. Now, he's now, old now. Now that I'm thinking about, they're actually really cool issues. Um, but uh, I thought he was such a good pick. You know, he's, he's the closest thing to Kirby that we have still around now from an mm. art point of view, I think. <clears throat> um, and uh, there was a brilliant sequence in this. Like, I mean, compa- talking about the plots of these bizarre, like, you know, forever cr- changing creative team uh, books is kind of pointless because it's just like they yeah. just throw everything at the, at the wall, see, yeah, what, totally. see what works. And then, you know, then they throw Commandy off the cliff at the end of the issue. And yeah. then someone else has to deal with the next issue. But... Um, I thought there was there was enough fun stuff going on here, but like the scene where Commandy gets a jetpack, yeah, that was the, cool, and the, the the stream of like the jetpack's arc as, as when he when he starts flying it was so fucking great. Like just and, and also all the spacecraft stuff that Walt yeah, Simonson drew. Yeah, UFO gorillas. I didn't. Good, fun. I didn't. I didn't like the weird evil guy that he drew that looks very penile. Not not a good. That not looks correct. like a penis to you. Like oh, like a real yeah. gross penisy head. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um. But uh, I did, I did like, yeah. Look at the jetpack. It's great. That's a great jetpack. It's a great jetpack. 
yeah. Um, fun stuff. The fun, this is the penultimate issue. The final issue is going to be written by Gail Simone and Paul Levitz with art oh, by cool. Ryan Souk. Oh, cool. And colors by David Thompson, I think. So, Ooh, yeah. That's excited a, about that. That's going to be fun. Good fun. Um, and this has been like, yeah, it's been pretty hit and miss. Um, but it's been a cool experiment yeah, for DC. And, and absolutely one that I would continue to read if they continued it for another, 24, another 12 issues. Absolutely. Or they gave another like weird, unused Kirby curvy thing to you know a new creative team every month yeah newsboy newsboy commandos is that what they're called just take away from shaken please (laughs) (laughs) yes um finally from dc i read um issue 49 of astro city um written by kurt busick um and uh, art by brett anderson with um the cover by alex ross um and this was uh kurt busick on his absolutely um old left-leaning man bullshit nice in which he creates a um a character who is so devoted to protesting um, that he himself like creates technology that whenever someone protests enough with the intention of protecting others, they gain superpowers. Amazing. Um, and uh, it's like lots of like you know mirroring current day events, like um, uh, like you know mining stuff in America and um, and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, but. In other comic book writers' hands, it would have been really hackneyed and shitty. But mm. I think I, just Buzik is just you know he's he's a master. Yeah. And uh, if you read his Twitter, Twitter, this is absolutely you know him him writing himself into his comics in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he, it's not abundantly political. But it's just about politics. Cool. And I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was you know, it was definitely an Astro City one shot. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, really, really fun. We've got an exciting project from Busick coming out next week, actually. Oh, really? More on that later in the show. Before, before we get to that, we've got to talk about all of the other publishers' books that we read this week. We've got a big old stack. Yeah, holy moly. <laughs> Lots of finales. Maybe we should do a finale run. Yeah. Starting with issue 10 of Motor Girl by Terry Moore. Written... Way to make me cry, Terry Moore. I did too. Ah, oh, man. Um, so this has been a, uh, a run that we knew was about P- PTSD. We see a soldier, ex-soldier. Um, working uh in the desert at a as a mechanic um and uh she has a best her best friend is an imaginary gorilla mm-hmm. called mike um and uh she lives with like the, the her boss is like a, an old lady mm-hmm. um who was previously seen in uh in um terry moore's strangers in paradise which i've been reading oh, me too so it's good. so good because like the, he's bringing it back in january so yeah we've got, we've got until january to read all 104 or have murdered oh, i'm not gonna make that i can do it <laughs> <laughs> um but all the while, there were like uh, like kind of government agencies trying to buy out the the place where she worked, mm-hmm. and then there were aliens as well. And we weren't sure how much of it was was in her mind, and this kind of this ends with the possibility that maybe all twelve issues were, mm. and this entire kind of all ten issues, sorry, all ten issues of Mono Girl has just been kind of her way of dealing with having to get the surgery to to remove the shrapnel from her brain that she that she. Um, got while she was serving yeah really heart-wrenching those panels where you're sort of like where she starts losing track of what's real and what's imaginary are so i was like i'm getting emotional now just looking at them it's so potent and the the goodbye scene is inevitable but it it destroyed me yeah heartbreaking this is like I'm sure the trade, the second trade. I mean, if this comes, if this second trade comes out before Christmas, this is my buy this for your friends trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Beautiful. first two trades of Motor Girl. 
Um, if you've never read any Terry Moore before, this is like a great jumping on point because it's he's very rarely will do short arcs like this. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, very contained stories, and um, this you know has ties into his other books, but you don't need to have read them to to understand um how beautiful a story this is. Fuck, this was good. So good, guys. Really, <laughs> the, really one... recommend checking it out. Terry Moore is such a master. Yep. Um, master of story, master of, 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 you know, beautiful, beautiful... Beautiful pencils. pencils yeah. Great character development. Great gorillas. Great gorillas. Great aliens. And Loved great, it. Amazing uh, when, when the alien... Because you, you know, very rarely see him getting to see him, like far out action stuff. When the, the aliens shoot a, 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 a laser that like vaporizes yeah. the middle of someone. So cool. So great. Yep. I love this. It's so simple. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant comic. As good as comics get, Agreed. really. Um, check it out, everybody. Motor Girl, issues one through ten by Terry Loved Moore. Um, so another series that ended this week. Clue. I read the whole of the Clue you comic, guys, by Paul Alor, art by Nelson Daniel. And no one who listens did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no point in me even talking about this. It ended. It got really, like, hilariously <laughs> meta towards the end. The who butler done it? did it. The butler. The butler. Oh, cl- finally. Classic. Anyway, it was great. It also referenced the best line from the Clue movie where the detective says, now I'm going home to sleep with my wife. <laughs> Except this time it's a female detective, guys. Classic. 2017. Yeah, we can do that now. Absolutely. Um, Eleanor and the Egret, issue number five, came out. The finale of this very strange and wonderful series by John Lehman and Sam Keith. Um, a book that I wasn't sure if I would like after one, maybe even two issues, but it yeah. really, really won my heart um, by the end. And I thought this was an excellent kind of explanation of uh, yeah. why things were so fucking weird in this book. Yeah. Um, and uh, it really, really wrapped up in a really lovely way. Absolutely. With brilliant, totally insane art by, by Sam Keith. Yeah. Great. Loved it. Like, I don't think I've ever seen art that moves from like beautiful children's book quality to just complete insanity Horrifying to then like Sam 90s, yeah, like... 90s image in parts mm. like one of the characters is like yeah just... and all with this kind of uh, slightly like 1920s style to everything mm. it's, it's such a hard to describe book but it's so good and all about sort of the power of creativity and, and the magic of creativity and it's and stealing beautiful. stealing talent stealing talent and there's an there's an egg another another sad goodbye as yeah well yeah song. that was another emotional ending um yeah i uh I, I really, really enjoyed this. I would recommend everyone, um, you know, looking for something different to, to pick this one up too. It's certainly my favorite book that Aftershock have published as well. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> so cool. Um, uh, finally, the last one to end this week was the fifth issue of Sword Quest. Mm. Did you read it? Yes, I did. Oh, great. Awesome. This is written by uh, Chris Bauer, Chad Bowers and Chris Sims with Art and Colors by Ghost Rider X. Um, and this was the story of uh, a man finding out that he has cancer but going home. Um, like, like, you know, terminal cancer and going home to find his old Atari and learning that the game Sword Quest was about more than just a, you know, dumb 8-bit sword game. Mm. And that he was uh, he was linked to this weird world. <clears throat> and this whole thing is uh, potentially a prologue for, sorry, yeah, prologue for like a... Um, a big uh, fantasy series, yeah. I guess, and I hope I hope we I hope they follow up on it. I really yeah. enjoy, I really enjoyed this series. It was really cool, and I'd I'd love to see this um, creative team working together more. Yeah, because even though it dealt with like you know a lot of fantastic ideas, it was, it was still very grounded mm. for the um for almost the you know up until this final issue. Um, you know, you didn't you always kind of doubted if this fantastical stuff was uh you know in this guy's mind or actually existed. Um, I am being so sold by all of the Barbarella 
ads in Dynamite Comics at the moment as well. So they're advertising Barbarella number two, but has number one even come out yet? Or is this like Barbarella, like a sequel to the movie, Barbarella? No, no, no. Uh, I don't think issue one has actually come out yet, but I think that it's in January, so they're trying to get people to do advance orders for issue two already. Uh, but yeah, this variant covered by Marcus Martin is beautiful. Yeah, that's very good. And written by uh, Mike Carey is a good vibe too. Yeah, excited to see that. Yeah, but um, yeah, Sword Quest, another, these are all great miniseries that we've been talking about. Motor Girl, Eleanor on the Egret, Sword Quest, I feel like we've been championing all three of those since we started uh, reviewing them. Yeah. And uh, when, uh, when all the trades come out, I recommend all of them because they've been very great. Agreed. <coughs> um, so on to the comics that didn't end this week. <laughs> we'll talk about Rugrats. Yeah, why not? This is great. It's so good, guys. Written by Box Brown, illustrated by Lisa Dubois, colors by Il- Il- Eleonora Bruni. Lost the subscriber. <laughs> um, Rugrats is uh, the continuation of uh, the kids' TV show on Nickelodeon in the 90s. Um, and uh, it's been modernized uh, to a point that isn't sickening, but is you know somewhat satirical in a similar vein to uh, the Flintstones comic mm-hmm. that finished earlier this year was. A bit more <clears throat> gentle. Yeah, very, very gentle. <laughs> um, basically, all of the, the Rugrats' parents have uh, invested lots of money into... Um, you know, uh, video so video hardware so they can spy on every move their kids are making. Yep. Which means that Tommy and his mates aren't able to get up to the regular mischief that they want to get up to. And uh, all of the kind of weird cameras around the house that they envisage in like strange fantasies, mm. just like the cartoon used to do. Um, the art by Lisa Dubois is so great in that it feels entirely unique while clearly being of the character models we saw in the television show. It doesn't look like when they just like, you know, take like it doesn't look like just stills from the cartoon. It's absolutely its own thing. Absolutely. um, And it's so like um, active and such great storytelling and the physicality of all the babies is so fun. Mm. I mean, it's a perfect all ages comic, but I don't think anyone that is of like youthful age remembers the show. Yeah, totally. Um, So this is pretty much for like us nostalgia for yeah it's on netflix or, or stan and i've tried to get my son archie to watch it like so many times he's just like it just no. doesn't appeal i don't know why it's like oh, yeah i love that show so much when I was yeah probably not when i was three so it wasn't out um but it's it's really good fun and it makes me laugh this comic box yeah. brown is such a such a great dude so so good and we're getting a rocco's modern life i uh, know series too written by ryan ferrier yeah which is great great it's a good stuff good on you nickelodeon and kaboom hell yeah um, so I mentioned Archie, my son, but did you know there's a comic <laughs> character called Archie too? Whoa. And uh, you're still not reading this, are you? Nah. So I even, you dumb. know what? I even picked it up, but I have been playing a lot of Marvel Lego superheroes to this week. And so I didn't get through absolutely everything in my pile. Yeah, right. You should uh, absolutely. This issue was in particular was so good. It's called Your Pal Archie. It's written by Ty Templeton um, with art by Dan Parent and Ty, Ty Templeton. Um, and uh, in this issue... Um, which is issue four, uh, we see uh, Archie's been like banned from visiting the lodge residency mm-hmm. um, and he sneaks in and then like she pushes him out the window because she's like, my dad's serious. And when he falls out the window, he lands on Jeeves, which oh, yep. is the lodge the butler. family butler. Um, and uh, Jeeves fucks his foot up and he, and he can't, but he can't tell um, Haram Lodge, uh, mm-hmm. Veronica's dad, that he, that he's been, he was outside because he's been playing um, like the equivalent of Pokemon Go. Amazing. Um, and he, that's been banned too by, okay. by Haram. Um, and so he convinces Archie, he basically says, like, there's no other way to do this. You have to be me. You have to pretend to be um, the chauffeur. Oh, no. Um, and so 
uh, we get like these brilliant antics of, of Archie. He basically says like, you know, just say yes, sir. And so that's the only thing that Archie says. Um, and he like attempts to drive them home. Veronica realizes that of course Archie's going to fuck this up. So she jumps in the car um, and is like, you know, He's like, um, take me back to take me to Cousin Bennett's house. And then she says, Cousin Bennett, is this the place on Oak Heights Road, just off roof, roof, <laughs> route number eight? Take the second off-ramp past Crestfield. And then he said, like, um, of course, I remember it like, like last week. And then he says, it was last week, Veronica. He goes, yes, yeah, such happy memories. Like turning left as we pass the gates, <laughs> then to a right on Bermont Avenue at the next light. Like, it's just like, it's really well-written, really good, fun. fun comedy, archie stuff. Dan Parent gives Veronica gigantic boobs, though. I think he does for every all the he just is yeah. a classic kind of like pervy cartoonist. Yep. Um, yeah, especially in that. Picture. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, man, you can't like Bar- Barbarella and dislike a boobie. <laughs> I'm a very complicated woman. Um, you can like whatever you like. I'm I'm I'm, I'm joshing around. Um, but uh, I, I really enjoyed like the way this you know goofy story wraps up. It turns out that Haram was aware that Archie was oh that's fun Jeeves all along. Um, and uh, but in, in I like in, Ty Templeton. Yeah, Ty Templeton is great, mm. and he's I think his inks are a big part of why this art is so much better than Dan Parent's regular mm. Archie stuff. Um, and then uh, the second story, which then gets continued into the next story, like it's a very oh, clever cool. way they hook you in. Um, uh, there's a bake sale, and Veronica said that um, uh, that she would like bake something, um, but then forgot. But she luckily, is notoriously bad at baking. Also, luckily Betty. Um, baked extras for her to sell to and she's like really reluctant to because Archie wants to play her a new song that he wrote oh, about her okay. because I wrote I found out Veronica rhymes with nine different words and only two of them are diseases <laughs> and then so she sets up a stall that says stupid muffins one dollar if you care <laughs> <laughs> and then because she's like just so angry and over it everyone buys them out of pity because they want her to cheer up so Archie's not in trouble with her because they all think that that's why she's angry. It's great. Like that's it's just fun. it's just like super goofy, you know, strip-esque yeah. Archie goofing around. Yeah, and cool. I like it a lot. Hmm. Um, I also really enjoy another book that has great cartooning in it, and that is Turok. Oh, I love this book. Through Dynamite. Um, issue number four came out. It's the first comic written by Chuck Wendig that I've ever liked. Mm. He's uh, written a few X-Men books that I've not liked. and uh, I mean, this is not his fault, but a Star Wars adaptation last year that we didn't like either. Yep. Um, and uh, the art is just fucking great by yeah. Alvaro Saraseca. Um, and the, the majority of this book we've seen has been like very high high uh, concept kind of fantasy stuff like dinosaur people and mm-hmm. like uh, swords and spears and stuff like that. But yeah, the Max start, Fury Road vibes. The start of this book um, opens in like, you know, real world Chicago and mm-hmm. the art is so good. So we just good. see like the Turok and his, um, and his daughter. Uh, daughter like, you know, hanging out and it's just so good. And then obviously everything turns to shit and we go to this weird post-apocalyptic world that we're in, which still looks great too, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got one issue left of this. One issue left of this left, and uh, I love this. This would be so an, another mini series that I recommend once it finishes. And again, I say it every time, but the Doctor Spectre backup is so good. And that's the last one. What? Yeah, that's the last one. It says only the beginning at the end, and then the next <laughs> issue of Turok has a Sovereign's backup. Man, I hope that we get a Doctor Spectre book. Also, I just saw on the back cover of this that Alice Cott is going to be writing a new ongoing James Bond series, which seems that's perfect, interesting. But I bet he'll fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Valiant put out another issue of Exo Manor War this week. I stop reading this. I I'm going to join you. Okay. I I think it's it's written by Matt Kent and um, art by Clayton Crane. It suffers from like, like you know every single 
ongoing Valiant book being uh, drawn with this very painted kind of style, which is quite still and actionless. And when they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, action books, it's kind of just dull. But every issue is about war and like, you know, war is never good. And I just thought this has been, it was really fun at at first, but then the last few issues have just not really been amounting to much. He's still fighting these wars and everyone that he's fighting for and against is bad. Yeah. Also he's bad. Yeah. And like the world is bad. Yeah, it's one of those, like, you know, very, very dark books where no one's a hero. Mm. And that's, that's boring to me. Mm. So I'm going I'm to drop it too. You know, it's not boring though. It's Sherlock Frankenstein and oh the Legion God. of Evil, issue two Written by, by Jeff, Jeff Lemire. Lemire with R by David Rubin. Rubine. I heard Rub- someone pronounce it this week. Oh, really? Re- yeah. Like, you know, Ru- Ru- it does have an accent Rubine. over it. Rubine. 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 Ah, okay. This has a character in it called Cthulhu, but... The Lou is L-O-U because his name is Lou. Yeah, and he's like a regular-ass so plumber who uh, merged with... Cthulhu. Cthulhu. So he's Cthulhu, and he has a daughter called Cthulhu Louise. <laughs> are, are you sold yet? Are you like, why the fuck didn't I buy this? Um, Black, Black Hammer, this is this is a kind of like the, the um, sister series um, to mm-hmm. Black Hammer, from the world of Black Hammer, um, which is a very kind of, you know, almost borderline horror superhero comic. Mm-hmm. Um which has moments of fun, but is a quite a serious, sad story. Mm. I like that Lemire is really unleashing his fun side through this, in which we see the uh, the daughter of Black Hammer try and track down some of his old enemies to try and work out where Black Hammer's disappeared to. So much inventiveness in this world. It's so fun. And I love it. David Rubin does such great, great work. It's, Fuck, he's so good. He's so good, guys. He does his own colours too, and his own lettering too. And like the, the, the he's the full package. It's so like yeah, he's like one of the. He's got to be one of my favourite artists of the year. Yeah, absolutely. His work on Ether, his work on this, his work on... Uh, Beowulf. Yeah, yeah, man, so good. So good. Um, highly recommended, this one. Yeah, guys. And, like, pick up Black Hammer in trade, please. Yeah, do definitely it. do that. Um, and uh, another one from Dark Horse this week, featuring the aforementioned Matt Kint uh, and Charlene Kint on uh, the creative team on this book, is Depth, um, issue 20 of 24, um, in which we see um, the daughter of a famous... Uh, by, uh, like marine biologist? marine biologist slash space scientist. Same thing. Um, uh, try and investigate his death by going under the under the water um, into his uh, uh, research station, um, and to basically like, everyone's a suspect. Um, and uh, we rule out one suspect on this issue um, as we learn his tragic backstory. It turns out he's Australian, and um, <laughs> that's tragic. Uh, yeah, just the worst. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know he. he He's had a really, really fucked up life in and out of jail, lots of lots of death uh, on his on his um, on his conscience. But um, her father was the only the first person to see the, the potential that he had, and um, he would have never killed him because he he saw him as a good man. Huh. Um, and uh, I, I really enjoy it. I have to give take some marks off though because um, you know when people write um, rogue, how they um, write whatever she says I, they write it as a h. So it's yeah, like yeah, ah, yeah. Or, ah, I'm gonna blah blah. Yeah, he do he does that for the Australian character. I don't think we That's do not, that. Do we? No, if anything, it's oim. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna teach him a lesson. O i. Like o i oim. Yeah. So just for future Australian characters, Matt Kent. We'll do a rewrite. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called dope. <laughs> Um, I read the fourth issue of The Shadow by Cy Spurrier, oh, yeah. um, Dan Waters and Ricardo Jamie. Um, and I'm going to give this one a, a miss for the future too. I really enjoyed the first issue of this, which seemed to modernize a character that I don't really have much interest in, The yeah. Shadow. 
Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I've, I've gone from reading no shadow books in my life ever to reading three this year. There's too many shadow fatigue. Um, yeah. Also, this comic was a bit heavy-handed with its real-world kind of uh, connections, and um, I, I admired what Sperry was trying to do. I just didn't enjoy his um, the way he the way he did it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about two comics that we, we end the show on two comics that we did both read. Yes. The Beautiful Death. By Matthew Bablet. Yep. Bablet? Um, Bablet. I don't know, sure. Um, uh, through Statics Press, the uh, Titan European imprint. Um, and uh, this is a story about what well, was about the three last boys uh, on the world after a, a, there was like a bug-related apocalypse. Yep. Um, and they've, they've, in the last issue, they found another survivor, a girl, and the, the issue ended with one of the boys uh, trying to force himself on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other boys trying to bang their way into the window. Into the into the room, sorry, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this we kind of have lots of flashbacks to each of the boys' lives before the incident. Yeah, um, and uh, one of them is very very strange. So it turns out that the girl and one of the guys know each other. Yeah, um, and not only do they know each other, but she predicted that all of this was going to happen. And she that, might have been involved. She might have done it. Yeah, um, and so after after stopping. One of the guys from attacking um, her. Um, the, the other guy, I mean, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. tries to attack her. Yeah, and uh, and so like they're 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 a very bizarre trio by the end of this, this, this issue. Yeah, and the one of the other guys maybe is dead, but also there's something very weird going on with his head. Yeah, totally, and is maybe a bug now. I don't like this. It's is a, this is a tough comic to explain, but it's becoming like more interesting. I don't know. I kind it's of so I, weird. I liked it before. I like the previous two issues more than this one, but I'm obviously going to finish it out to see where it goes. With yeah. It. Or it basically introduced like two extremely insane ideas yeah. in one issue. Um, the art's so good though. Yeah, definitely. Colors are beautiful. Very unique. Very unique looking book with unique looking figures. And I loved um, whenever there's a sound effect. Mm. I think they look fantastic too. They're integrated into the panels really well. Um, the final book we're going to talk about is a much lighter and funnier yeah. um, book. Very big, different vibe. Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack, um, featuring a old uh, Jack Burton from big, big Trouble in Little China, forced to team up with Lopan in this weird uh, kind of hell world that they're stuck in. It's been yeah. written by John Carpenter with um, art by, oh, sorry, written by Anthony Birch and John Carpenter with art by Jorge Corona and Gabriel Casada on colours. This is good fun. Yeah, it's really, really fun. I think the uh, the previous two issues had way better jokes, especially that, that second yeah. issue was hilarious. So funny. Um, but this is all about, like, Jack caused the end of the world. That's, that's pretty right. funny. And it's a pretty now, funny concept. And now both he and Lopan are seeing, are having visions of figures from their past that they basically, you know, allowed to die. Mm. And uh, they're, they're being feeling very guilty. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, it's fun. It's a fun miniseries. These totally. are good. These are good miniseries, and, and I, I don't really have much of a connection to the movie beyond like enjoying it when I, we used to be on television. But uh, I, I've enjoyed all of the Big Trouble in Little China series that I've read this year. Mm. Yeah, something. isn't that funny? I, yeah, I, I, I usually I, don't like things that are um, taken from established properties, yeah, like totally. movies and stuff like that. But this has been really good. It's fun. It's one of the better comic book licenses. Surprisingly, yeah. extremely surprisingly, it's coming extremely out. Extremely surprisingly, I'm sure it's Boom Studios doing. They do little wrong. Yeah, on the back of. This issue, there is an incredible looking comic from Saladin Ahmed, who's been writing Black Bolt. I don't know what this is about, but it looks amazing. Um, there's a, a Sammy Cavillo or not? One of our um, Abbott. One of our friends of the show, Rebecca, um, put up a picture of some trades that she bought recently, and one I of them is Rebecca. called um, Aaron and Ahmed. And oh, why is that familiar? Uh, I'm not. I'm, 
Ah, it? it's, in, it? it's in my local library. All right, cool. <laughs> um, and I got really excited because I thought it was a book about Jason Aaron and Saladin Ahmed having adventures <laughs> at like, like, like going like, hey, you, should we ditch this Marvel writer's <laughs> retreat and go like... Just make weed in the yeah, woods. <laughs> yeah, have some ribs. <laughs> I'd read that. Yeah, I would read the fucking heck out of that. Sounds so great. please make it happen. <laughs> like Aaron and Ahmed too. <laughs> Um, so those are our reviews of the week, which means the one thing left to do is talk about the comics that we're excited for next week. And Siobhan, I know you haven't looked at the list yet, but fuck, sure there's some haven't. great stuff. Um, there is, it's a great week for being a Bat fan. I'll tell you cool. that much. Next week is also, next week, guys, we're going to be recording from King's Comics again. Oh, wow. You're back to work. I'm back to work. Both our, both our wives are back at work, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um Alright, so next week Next week Two weeks to be a Batman Because we have um, a new Batman annual Written by Tom King With um, ar- returning artist Lee Weeks Great Which is super exciting um, But the most exciting thing Is that there is a new Batman book Called Batman Creature of the Night oh. This is written by Kurt Busiek And is a spiritual sequel To his book Superman Secret Identity oh. In which a boy Whose name just happens to be Clark Kent Finds out that he has Superman powers Have you read that? No Oh my god, it's so good I'm gonna read that This is the, the Batman equivalent With art by John Paul Leon Ah, so a kid who just Mother happens Panic. to be I, I Bruce Wayne but, finds but, out his parents are dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what. what, what it's, I'm sure it's going to be a big tearjerker, though. Yeah, someone gave me um, a pair of pajamas for Shatterstar that say "I am Batman" on them, and as Gareth from King's Comics pointed out, his whole deal is that he's an orphan. Why would anyone make that for a baby? <laughs> Um, but then there's some other great books that I'm looking forward to. Um, we see the finale of this uh, first arc of Spy Seal come out, Ugh. which I'm like bummed, but also <laughs> happy Spy about. So I know, much. so much. <laughs> that was a great noise. Um, and then we also uh, get the finale of the season, second season of Renato Jones, which I've great. been enjoying quite a lot. I caught up on some issues that we missed before the podcast. Uh, we get the second uh, edition of DC's New Talent Showcase, which oh, is yeah. always worth that kind of checking out. It's always out. worth a peep. Um, although I wish they would follow up on like the last issue and like this is where they are now. Like <laughs> they've all given up. Yeah. Um, there's also a new DC book called Mystic You, which is a new series. Oh, that's about Zatanna and stuff, huh? Yeah. That looks cool as hell. So I'm definitely going to be checking that one out. Magic University. Yes, please. Um, one of our favorite books, Hi-Fi Fight Club, has been forced to rename themselves um, Heavy Vinyl Why? because of Fight Club, like taking legal action or threatening oh. legal action. Like, it's like so dumb because it's Blah. like congratulations you dumb movie you've now like entered the conscious enough that like people can just Can't. reference you and it's fine yeah. like take it as a compliment you but fucking like, overrated movie surely the concept of a fight club existed surely whatever you suck chuck whatever your name is yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah we'll still be reading it heavy yeah. vinyl it's still a pretty good name actually maybe a better name well, it is heavy yeah. Like it was heavy enough for me to go, I'm not going to play vinyl when I became a DJ. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's another co- series starting called Chasing Hitler, which seems pretty that intriguing. That sounds hilarious. Um, and also we get the, uh, a, a one shot uh, from Marvel of Dark Hawk, which I think will be more promising yes, than please. Silver Sable. That's there's a character that I genuinely want to know what they've burps. been up to since Avengers, whatever that was called. Uh, Arena. Arena. Yep. Uh, so there you go. That's Thanks, all me. of our reviews and two bonus burps from me, which Beautiful. you know make, make a great episode. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can find us at facebook.com slash group slash serious news podcast. So just like our page slash serious news podcast. Um, and you can find us on Patreon if you want to support the show and listen to our bonus episode that I mentioned at the start of the episode. Um, we recommend a bunch of great trades mm-hmm. from recent and old times. Uh, Patreon. Perfect for Christmas. Exactly. Patreon.com slash serious news podcast is where you'll find that. 
Um, you can find us on Twitter, serious underscore underscore issues, or individually at Siobhan CBG and at Levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G. Also, our usernames for Instagram, mm-hmm. in which I am prolific and Siobhan is not. I'm, I just am not. <laughs> you're going to start retweeting stuff again, though, soon yeah. because you're going to be at Kings and just retweeting all day. Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> um, if you uh, visit Kings in the next uh, in the next week, keep an eye out for Siobhan. Yeah. Tell her, don't worry, your baby still loves you. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> I really don't want to go back. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to send us an email, uh, you can email us at uh, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. And I'll actually check it now because I'm back at work. Yeah. Perfect. Send all lots of emails telling her her baby loves her. (laughs) I know I will. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.